are you? He had a voice that could make a wolverine purr. That's what I'm talking about, man. Wait a minute. I know you. Check out the name tag. You're in my world now, Grandma. I know that, dude. He's a modern-day Yoda. I'm your huckleberry. Allow myself to introduce myself. Greetings and salutations. We came, we saw, we kicked it down. You're excited. Feel these nipples. That boy's good. Mm -hmm. Good and terrible. Well, I have a microphone, and you don't. So you will listen to every damn word I have to say! This is the Mike Rutherford Show on the Big X. Sportos, motorheads, geek bloods, wastoids, dweebies, they all adore him. They think he's a righteous dude. Hey! All right. All right. All right. All right. Welcome in, everybody. It is Wednesday, February 28th. Last day of February. Not really. Not this year. We are uh, coming to you live from the University of Louisville College of Business Studios. The Mike Rutherford Show is back. We're very excited to be here on this Wednesday. Cards fans, if you want to take your career to new heights, you can do so with an MBA from the University of Louisville. It's a full-time MBA program, which is an innovative 12-month uh, program that accelerates your career trajectory with convenient in-person evening classes. Competitive 11-month paid internship opportunities provide you with valuable industry experience. It's the MBA that pays. Get started today and earn your degree in just one year and feel like you're being paid to do so in the process. For more information, visit business.louisville.edu today. We're on the air from 3.06 until 6 here on 1450 AM, 96.1 FM, Streaming all over the land. You know what's better as the Big X. Mike Rutherford here with you on a Wednesday. Happy to be back after a very, very fun, very relaxing, nice break with the fam in Disney World. We got Roman back here producing the absolute hell out of the show. Roman, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing well. Uh, I am I wish I could say I'm thrilled to be back. It's always nice to come back and, and discuss, I, I don't know, like the 22-point ass-kicking that your team had. Before you left, and then the the game coming up in just a few hours, where Louisville is a twenty and a half point underdog, I believe at last check. So that'll be fun, but I still can't complain too much. I am I am happy to be back. It's stretch run for college basketball. Even with Louisville not really being a factor this year, there are fun things happening. We're just two weeks away from whatever's going to happen as far as the next page uh, being turned, the next chapter in Louisville basketball. You know, if, if we win a game in the first round of the tournament, it'll be two weeks from today when we're talking about potentially the last day of the Kenny Payne era. So that'll be interesting. So th- there's still plenty of stuff to be excited about. How was the? Uh, I, I'm I'm seeing notes from. First of all, let me say thank you to Rashawn Myers. Big thanks to T.J. Walker. Big thanks to Nick Roush, uh, who filled in, made sure that we didn't have just straight national programming for the the four days that I was gone. How did it go, Roman? I know you were on for a few of those days. I was on. I was on for all of them. You were on for all of them? Okay. All of them. I actually did the Friday show myself. Um, Look at you. With Haven. Well, thank, Haven Harrington from well, the Wake Up Five. Big thank you to you as well. Yeah, yeah of course. What did you do there? Uh, it, it was interesting. I was a little bit blindsided. Um, I didn't know of Roush or TJ before I met them, so I <laughs> didn't really realize until right before that I was about to go on air with Kentucky fans, you know? And I had to, I had to deal with that mentally and, and try to, you know, be the best person I could be on air. Roush, um, I, I knew he was on last week. And then TJ today, I saw, left me a message that just said, 
Some of your listeners were mean to me and Roush with a with with an upset. Face. I'm not sure if that's why they broke the black mic over here. The black mic is just it, it's dangling. It's down, so I had to use the other one. The door also is a little bit. Uh, it, it's it's door's act- making noise now, isn't it? The door's acting up a little bit. We you know it, it almost completely collapsed a couple of weeks ago, and then they fixed it. And now it's. A, I don't know if this is their punishment, but I did hear that there was a little bit of. Negative reaction to TJ and Nick. I can't imagine how bad it would have been if they'd gone on the air today after Reed Shepard doing what he did last night Sheesh. and them winning at the buzzer and all that stuff. I'm sure TJ would have been very, very feisty. But I did hear so it was. I heard those two days were a little bit interesting. Yeah, yeah. A lot of the listeners were uh, were not happy with the <laughs> amount of UK talk on the air for the Mike Rutherford show when that is not what the Mike Rutherford show is known for. And I can uh, I can understand it. You know. Um, <laughs> you come here for for talk and, and an opinion on on one thing, and you're getting something else. But hey, it's it's better than just programming, right? Right. I mean, it, that's the thing. Is and I, I was here trying to you know combat professionally, and there's not a lot I can say right now. You know, I can I can I can pinpoint the fact that a lot of these UK fans are a, you know overreacting to the current state of Kentucky basketball, and that's one of the few things that I can say. You know, like. Look around you in the region and, and in the area, um, even in the conference if you want, and, and you you know, take a chill pill, UK fans. But other than that, there's just a, not a lot I can say. Yeah, know? we can't really rivalry these days. Yeah, we, you know, so I'm just sitting there listening, trying to trying to find a way to say they're wrong when I can. We can still rivalry to the point where it's like big picture talk. Like, like you know, you, I, I can say, oh, congrats. Like, you know, you Mississippi State on the road. Woo. Huge win! You got you guys are going crazy talking about all this. You know, freshmen are fine. We're going to win the national title with these freshmen. I don't think it changes anything big picture. But if they want to come back with, well, you guys suck. You know, we're like, yeah, of course we do. Like, there's nothing. We're not when we talk about Kentucky and we try to take some shots. Like the, the fight videos out there from the football team, which I guess was from a couple of years ago, that's been circulating today. You know, if you want to say anything about that, it's it's a bad look for UK. But you know, they can come back with we won five straight. So all of our smack talk is just based on. Just them, broader picture stuff, not them in relation to us, which sucks. And hopefully we can get back to having traditional smack talk at some point in the we will. relatively near future. We will. No, hopefully. It's time. It's just a matter of being patient. We're, we're going to get back. It's time. I will say, so like, I, I mentioned this last week. I've been doing, like, this has been like a full-time job. I guess since I, I dropped out of law school, this is, it was the moment where I, I made this like a, a full-time gig. It went from just, you know, fun, part-time, doing radio, doing the website, doing writing stuff to like this is what I, I i'm making a living off of so that that's been you know 12 13 years now so every year this is the biggest time of the year for for the, the specific jobs that i do whether it was the college basketball gig or the covering louisville on the, the website or covering louisville on the radio like this is the time where you kind of make your money and as a result of that you know I, i've never you don't take breaks when the calendar flips to to whatever the new year is in January, you're locked in until whenever the college the NCAA tournament ends. And even then, after that, you've got draft declarations, you've got transfer news now, and, and all this stuff. So you're you're kind of locked in until Derby, basically, is when I feel like the the sports calendar sort of flips for people around here. So I've never taken a trip. I've never left. I don't do vacation outside of having to take time off of radio to work or having to take time off of uh, writing jobs to do radio. Like that's that's it. And my wife has always, like, she's begged me to do, you know, it's a monotonous time of the year for her. It's so dark. It's so cold. Now that we have kids, you know, you just want to, like, a weekend away at least. Like, we take a Friday off. Can you take a Monday off? And I'm like, no, I can't do it. So this year I finally relented, and I'm like, you know, Louisville's so bad. 
we got a break in games. There's a week off between Notre Dame and and and, and Duke. This feels like a safe time to take like a, a quick little five day trip. Four days at the park. You know, Virginia's dying to go to Disney World. The weather's going to be perfect down there. It's not going to be too hot. Not going to be too cold. Hopefully, we can avoid the the busiest of all busy seasons. And so I'm like, cool, let's do it. And my only concern as the trip inched closer and closer was one, I got picked up to do freelance stuff for college basketball before the NCAA tournament, which was not <laughs> not not ideal. But they were very understanding about having to to miss four or five days. Two, there became there were some rumors early last week that if things go poorly against Notre Dame, you've got the weak gap, maybe the plug goes ahead and gets pulled on Kenny Payne. Because, look, Ohio State fired uh, Chris Holman. Working out pretty well for them. They're playing incredible basketball. All, all of a sudden, you're competing with them. DePaul's out there. You've got the, you, you know, maybe you want to start talking to coaches. There are rumors out there that Ohio State's targeting Dusty May. Like, are we falling behind because we still have an active head coach? All this stuff. And I'm still like, you know, Based on what I've heard, and I, I said this on, on the podcast uh, on Wednesday night before we left. You know, based on what I've heard, there's kind of a deal in place. And if you're listening to this, you've probably heard this at this point now. That it, like multiple people, big name guys, big boosters around the program, big supporters of the program. You probably don't have to work too hard to figure out who I'm talking about. They, they've reached an agreement to pay the buyout of Kenny Payne. But part of the deal was, we'll pay the buyout, but you got to give him the full year. And that's why, maybe, there was a idea in place or a, a, a plan in place to bring an interim staff after the Kentucky game, before the calendar flipped to 2024, and then that got nixed at the last second. Maybe there was, hey, like we'll show off the money, but we want Kenny to have the full year. We think he can turn it around. Or maybe we just don't want him to be embarrassed and, and fired before the end of the season. So that's been my understanding for the last couple of weeks. And it's a, it's a, a story that's been... Not just coming out of my mouth, it's been told on a number of, of websites. I think a lot of people have heard the same thing. So that was kind of reassuring to me. Was This isn't going to happen. You're going to be fine. Take the trip. It's going to be fine. Just enjoy yourself, relax, come back, and then you can talk about all this nonsense. And then the Notre Dame game happens <laughs> a week ago where I'm watching this, and I'm like, if ever there were a reason for Josh Hurd to just pull the plug and say, I, I don't care. This is too bad. We cannot go on like this. We've just got to get rid of this. As I'm watching Notre Dame build its lead against us on our home floor in a game that we were favored to win, I'm like, this may actually happen. And I'm terrified. And I do the podcast, and I, I said it straight out. I was like, Josh, if you're listening to this, I'll never bleeping forgive you if you do this right before I leave for Disney World. And I'm just, all these scenarios are, are in my head. Like, I'm walking into the Magic Kingdom. My daughter and son are just the happiest kids in the world. We're getting on the teacup ride. And then I just find out, boom, Kenny Payne's been fired. And it ruins everything. So that was in my mind going on the trip. Thankfully, I think once I got to Friday morning, and I, you, there, were no, there was no buzz, there were no reports out there, I felt pretty good. But I was definitely very concerned that I was going to have to like do the show by phone from Hollywood Studios or something, and just you know, kids screaming in the background, why is daddy working, Like, what's going on? And thankfully, we avoided that situation. But I will say... Like once that part of the equation was up, was out, I thought I was going to, to have a bunch of FOMO. Like I need to be writing this, I need to be doing this, and, and I really didn't have any of it. Like I, I think it, it just taking the trip really reinforced how exhausting all of this talk is. Just having the same conversations over and over, and how ready I am for something new. Whether it's you know, I mean, it, let's say it is Kenny Payne getting a third year. At least we can have that conversation as opposed to is he going to get a third year? Who the next coach is going to be? 
I don't think that's going to happen. I think that we are going to be full-on coaching search mode for at least a couple of weeks uh, once we get to whenever Louisville gets knocked out of the ACC tournament. But just, like, there was no part of me that wanted to come on the radio on Thursday and just rant about another terrible performance against Notre Dame. Did it feel like a new low, losing at home in a game that you were favored to win against the team that was picked to finish last in the ACC, the only team that was picked to finish behind you before the start of the season? And they come in and they beat you by 22, and you don't really show much effort. You don't defend at all. We talked about Micah Shrewsbury being the guy that you thought was going <laughs> to light the team up, and sure enough, we just left him open the entire game. Like I, I, I'm sick of having that conversation. If we have to have it again tomorrow, we will. But like, there was no part of me that was was unhappy to at least avoid one or two of those days because we've just we've, we've done it so much. We've lost so many 20 point games uh, for the last couple of years. I'm tired of having the conversation. So it was nice to get away. The kids had an absolute blast. Virginia was on cloud nine. Uh, John hung in there as best he could as a two year old. We asked a lot of him, but he was uh, he he was he did pretty well, all things considered. And the trip was it was even better than I thought it was going to be. I went down there thinking I was going to have a good time. Um, I could see myself being like a Disney dad. You know, there are those adults that just get way into it. I really, think, I don't think I could ever do that. Like as far as I'm, I'm going down there like seven or eight times. But like as far as like going down, like, I would love to take my kids back soon. They had so much fun. They're still too young to do certain things. And it was definitely one of those where, like, you're enjoying where you are right now, like the, the ages of two and four, but you can see how it could be even more fun in three or four years when they're able to do more rides. They want to do more stuff. And it's like any other trip, too, to some place that you're not overly familiar with. Yeah. Right when you feel like you've got your bearings and you kind of know how to operate everything is when you leave. So, you know, it, it's, it, it was a lot. It was very invested, but I had an absolute blast. It was very, very fun. I did have something happen. I have to tell the story about the the plane ride down there. Let's hear it. And let me preface this with: there's no way for me to tell the first part of the story without sounding like I'm trying to like sound cool or, or, or tooting my own horn or something like that. Okay, but I, still, I think I have an idea. So we ride down. It's direct flight, thankfully, and you know it's standard seating, seven thirty-seven. You've got. Like two rows of, of, of three seats on each side. And so we the way we, we figured it out, Mary sat with the two kids, and I sat on the end of the, the row, like, next to them. So I could be there to help, but, you know, she had to have... We were worried about John. He's been having some, like, pooping issues, and that, that was not... That added to the, the misery of just taking a two-year-old on his first flight anyway. So he was bad for a little bit, but he, was, he still did better than I, I thought he was going to do. But, so I'm sitting in the row kind of by myself on the end next to my wife and the, and the two kids, and there's these two ladies next to me who start talking and they're, they're very pleasant they're very they're very very nice and they're like once they, they is a grandmother and her daughter's the, is the the woman next to her and i think she actually had they said she was a great grandparent and they, you know, they they're telling me about their kids and they're asking me about my kids and we're going back and forth and they're very nice and about halfway through the flight the lady uh, a lady on the end of the row behind my wife and my kids the other side taps me on the shoulder and she says what's your name and she goes, the the woman next to me, the girl sitting next to her, I think it was her daughter, I don't know. She's like, she thinks she knows you. And I said, my name's Mike. And she said, okay. And, and the, the, the woman in the middle leans over and she's like, okay, I thought that was you. And she starts talking about how she shows me her phone and she's like, I took a picture of you and I sent it to Peyton Siva. We're friends. I asked him if, that was, if, if this was Mike Rutherford. He said he thought it was. 
and we start going back and forth. So like we we talk a little bit going back and forth, and she's telling me like what they're going down to Orlando for. I'm telling her about Disney. We talk about Peyton a little bit, and it's it's a nice conversation. So I lean back, go back to my seat, and the the the, the older lady sitting next to me just goes, "Are you somebody famous?" And I said, "No, no, 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 no. It's nothing like that." And she goes, well, "Well, who are you?" And I said, "My name's Mike Rutherford." And she goes, "Well, what do you do?" And I said, "I do sports media stuff. I've got a, a sports radio show." And she said, "Oh, is it good?" <laughs> and I said, "No, just straightforward. You know, semi, semi joking. Just trying. You know, not. You know, I don't, don't want to be like, oh, it's the best radio show of all time." I said, "No." And she goes, "Oh." And then we neither one of us had any idea where to take the conversation after that. It just it got I, I did not think things through. It got super awkward. I just sat back down. I acted like my wife was asking me something so I could be distracted and like turn around. And like <laughs> I, it, it made the rest of the flight terribly awkward because she didn't know how to respond. She did not know like is he joking or is does he really does he hate his job? Does he hate the radio show? Is it really just a terrible radio show? Like who is this person and why does this lady on the other row behind us know who he is? And it was it was it was very strange there for about ten or fifteen minutes, and I, I felt weird. I did not handle the situation properly. But what are you going to do, Roman? Mike, that's where you're supposed to say yes. I should have just signed an autograph. Best in Louisville, ninety six point one. Check it out Monday through Friday. You just come on. That's where you that's where you tag the show. I probably should have. I, I should have hyped the show a little bit more. But what are you going to do? What are you I get do? it. You know, little. You felt a little bit like you know they kind of made you a celebrity on the spot right there. So is it good? It's like no, oh, and then nothing. I just I, I had nothing to respond to. It was very very bad. It was very awkward. But what are you going to do? Uh, speaking of of the, of the radio station and you know people feeling, have you seen the the, the the fan mail that got sent to the old the OG studios in Jeffersonville today? I heard about it. I haven't seen it. I, I can forward you the pic. So Dugan texted a couple of us and just said that he got this big. There was a a letter addressed to the the WXVW, the the, the address of the OG Studios in, in Jeffersonville, Indiana, and in it was a just simply a picture of what appears to be I can't tell if it's Bart Simpson or Calvin from Calvin and Hobbes or some sort of combination. It feels it, it just looks like a snot nosed little kid uh, with his pants down, peeing. On uh, the, the letters WAVG fourteen fifty, which were the old call letters of fourteen fifty, the Big X. So, thank you to our <laughs> to to our listeners who are sending us fan mail of cartoons peeing on our, our our radio station. I don't know if that was because of something that Roush and Walker did while I was gone, or I, who knows. But big shout out to the fans out there. You, you make this thing worth it for us. That was probably Ross. It may have was that was Ross upset yesterday. <laughs> Ross was very upset yesterday. <laughs> well, Ross is a passionate fan of the show. Uh, I don't fault him for that. I can see him getting a little bit upset. That's okay. That's fine. I, I assume that it was mostly just UK talk, and it wasn't anything inflammatory about U of L. No, not at all. You know, there was a eh, Roush made a comment or two that I probably should have defended a little more, but you know, nothing, nothing crazy, nothing bad. Well, Roush is a U of L fan anyway. You don't you don't even know that. But but Roush, he's married to a, a U of L former U of L volleyball star. His kids are admittedly U of L fans now. He go he's cousins with the Brahms. Like he goes to every U of L football game. Roush is he, he's basically a Louisville fan. And so when he makes comments like that, he's just trying to deflect. He's trying to get people to ignore the fact that he cheers for the Cards. 
and that half of KS, uh, KRC, oops, almost slipped up there, half of KRC is actually you know, more, more Mike Rutherford show leaning than they'd like people to believe. That's the way that it works. I see. Yeah, that's, that's the way that it goes. We've got plenty to talk about uh, as, as we get back into the flow today. We will talk a little bit about the, you know, the men's basketball team, their last time out. We'll talk certainly about tonight's game against Duke, what it means, if anything. Uh, we can talk about the women's team. Not a great weekend for them as well. Baseball bounces back a little bit. It was, I mean, I, they lose the first game of St. Bonaventure, and you're kind of thinking, are they ever going to win again? 0-4. Thankfully, they've now won four straight to get back to 500. Maybe they've found their bearings. Playing some of the younger guys seems to have changed things. But for a while there, it was a very, very rough week for Cardinal sports. Uh, we don't have much in the, in the way of football to talk about just yet. God, we, I'm so ready for the portal to open back up or so ready for spring practice to get going just so we can get back into football talk. There is one football nugget that I want to get to today. We've got uh, big news in the world of Kentucky politics that we can talk about briefly. We've got big news in the world of, of Louisville music scene. Uh, Jack Harlow, festival coming here to the waterfront in May. Very excited about that. We've got updates potentially to signing day in football. And then some general college basketball stuff to get to as we react to some of the stuff that happened while I was out. Not just Louisville, but we're getting closer to conference tournament start next week. Uh, Selection Sunday is coming up. Where it's the most exciting time of the year to be a college basketball fan, even when your team is not remotely a part of it. So lots to get to. We want to hear from you on the Thornton text line as well. We will take lots of texts today. 502-414-1450 is the number to weigh in. If you have thoughts, questions, comments, concerns, topic ideas, what have you, hit us up at 502-414-1450, and we'll get to you a little bit later. We're going to take our first break. When we come back, we'll get into the world of Cardinal basketball as much as you may not want to hear it. We'll talk about it a little bit. It's the Mike Rutherford Show on a Wednesday here on 1450-961. Big X. Six foot four, full of muscles. I said, Do you speak in my language? He just smiled and gave me a Vegemite sandwich. Roman, have you ever had a Vegemite sandwich? I have not. Do you know what Vegemite is? I've heard of it. Isn't it like canned? It's canned something, isn't it? Yes, it's a it's the canned kind of spread that they use in Australia. It looks disgusting. Pate. Yeah, kind of. It's like what, like vegetables and stuff just smashed together into this little spread. And uh, I've had it once. It's not great. You're you're not missing much, but you don't need to try a Vegemite sandwich. Made famous though in that fa- in that fantastic song. Um, we're 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 enjoying it. We're, maybe we can bring some Vegemite into this into the station. We are back here on a Wednesday. Mike Rutherford show fourteen fifty ninety six one. The Big X. I know it's been a week. I'd be remiss if I didn't at least talk briefly about what we saw a week ago at the KFC Yum Center with Louisville getting blasted at home by 22 points against Notre Dame. A Notre Dame team that, again, was the only team picked to finish below Louisville in the ACC going into the season. And Notre Dame team that has far less talent than Louisville does. I I said it on on. Last uh, Tuesday's show, I'll say it again now, I guess last Wednesday's show, outside of the point guard position, Louisville has the more talented player at every spot of the floor. 
There's there's just there's no question about it. Notre Dame does not have a roster that's ready to compete at a high level in a conference like the ACC. Despite that, Notre Dame comes in, leads from virtually start to finish, pulls away when it feels like Louisville was making things close in the second half. They, a Notre Dame team, again, that entered the night as the number 293 team in the country in adjusted offensive efficiency, which had been on pace to be the worst offensive team in the ACC in seven years, goes on to hit 12 of 27 from three, score 72 points despite playing at a glacial pace, and then they keep playing their classic shutdown defense to hold us to 50. It was... I think it's safe to say the worst conference performance by a Kenny Payne team over the last two years, which is saying something because I think we've lost, what, like 18 games by 20 points or more, which is outrageous. It also reinforced the fact that despite Louisville having an edge at every single spot on the floor, the biggest difference between the two teams was on the sidelines. What Notre Dame has that Louisville doesn't is a coach who knows what he's doing and players who believe wholeheartedly in the message that's being presented to them. It's how a group with very little offensive talent and also an insanely young group of players. Kenny Payne is always reminding everybody how young his team is. We're a young team, we're a young team, we're a young team. Notre Dame's best players are true freshmen. Their two leading scorers are true freshmen. They're two primary ball handlers. Our true freshman. Despite all of that, that group still has been able to come together this season and be one of the best defensive teams in the entire country. And they found ways to win six conference games now. And it comes down to one very, very simple fact. Notre Dame hired a quality head basketball coach last year. Two years ago, Louisville didn't. And it's as simple as that. We were talking about, at the start of the season, when, when things started going sideways, which, which I guess is technically like the first exhibition game when you come out and lose to Kentucky Wesleyan. But early on, when it was obvious that this wasn't going to be that much better than it was a year ago, we were staring at the rest of the conference and, and, and looking at, you know, the league's not performing very well in the non-conference portion of the season. It, it, there are some teams that are beatable out there. And, you know, when can this team win in conference play? And, and the Notre Dame game was one that a lot of people circled. Because it was, I think, the only one for basically all of November and December that Ken Palm had us favored in. And I remember Trevor Kelsey was talking about, he's like, we're going to lose that game because they're going to get a lot better as the season goes on and we're not. And I was like, I, I was like I'm not sure we're going to lose because they're a terribly talent-depleted de- de- team, deficient team. But they will get more, they will improve more as the season goes on than we will because Micah Shrewsbury is a good coach. Did great things at Penn State. And look now, I mean, Louisville has been playing some of its worst basketball the last couple of games. They've lost uh, three straight all by double digits. Basically, since the since the first half against Boston College, we've looked pretty much as bad as we ever have in conference play. Pitt just embarrassed us. Dude drops you know, 45 points, whatever it was. Notre Dame comes onto your home floor, beats you 72-50. to 50. We've lost three straight now. Notre Dame, meanwhile, 
with that complete lack of talent, the terrible start. I mean, this is a team that lost to Western Carolina in its second game this year. Uh, it's a team that lost to the Citadel by 20 at home back in December. It's a team that started off 2-10 and in the ACC. They've won 4 or 5. They beat us. They beat Georgia Tech. They beat Virginia Tech. They were getting just destroyed by Syracuse on Saturday. I think they were down 42-16 to at one point. Came all the way back and damn near won that game. 88-85. And then, despite expending all that energy and having that uh, gut punch loss, they turned right around and beat a Wake Forest team that was coming off of its signature win of the season, beating Duke. They beat them 70-65. to They've won 4-5. or five. They've got a good coach. They're going to keep getting better. They're going to be better next year. They'll be right there on the cusp of making the tournament. And then three years, uh, two years from now, they'll be hitting things at full stride. I would hope, I, 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 I say this, but I would hope that last week's performance put to bed any talk, any reasonable talk of Kenny Payne getting a third year. Because there's just simply no defensible counter-argument to the idea that this has to be it. There's just not. There wasn't really before, and now there's absolutely not. We've got four games left to play in the, the, the regular season here. Four conference games left. We're already mathematically eliminated from being one of the top 10 seeds in the ACC tournament. If we went out and everything with the other teams that are down there at the bottom of the conference standings goes perfectly for us, the best we can be is the 11 seed in the ACC tournament. That's with two weeks left to go in the regular season. That's be, it, it, it's so remarkably embarrassing that we shouldn't even have to dive too deeply into it. 9-22 and 22 is what Ken Palm projects us to be now. He thinks we're going to win one of these last four games. Very real chance that we're 8-23 and 3-17 and and in conference play a year after going 4-28 and 2-18 and and in conference play. There's simply no counter-argument. There's, it, it, it's gone. You can't point to injuries. You can't point to youth. You can't point to the fantastic recruiting. You've now got, I mean, I know I'm touching on things that were discussed ad nauseum last week and at the beginning of this week, but you've got Rick Bozes out there in a last gasp attempt to try and and justify what's taking place now, pointing to two high-profile recruits in the class of 2024 that he says really like Kenny Payne and just want to know what his future is. If the defense of Kenny Payne going into this year is youth and, and development over time, we're relying on two freshmen, one of whom I think doesn't even have us in his top 15. We're relying on that to be the saving grace of next year. It's just such a a last-ditch, close your eyes and swing as hard as you possibly can and don't worry about falling over type mentality. It, it, it makes no sense whatsoever. This is done. It's over. This is a basketball program that has been in existence. This is the 112th year of Louisville men's basketball. It's competed at a high level for basically the last half century. Case in point, Louisville before last year had had one 20-loss season in that 100-plus years history. One. And it was exactly 20 losses. Louisville went 12-20 and 20 in 1998. And even then... They sprinkled in a couple of, of signature victories. They beat the Kentucky team that won the national title. 
But Denny Crum ran into some injuries. He was talent depleted as well, didn't recruit as well as he had been, lost some guys that he wasn't expecting to lose, and that team was bad. He bounced back the next year, was a seven seed in, in both 99 and 2000, and then went 12-19 and 19 in 2002, and that was it. That was done. Even for a guy who built that program into what it was, having two of those types of seasons in four years was just too much. Had to go. We are now about to have basically the two worst seasons in the history of the program in back-to-back years. We're going to lose more than 20 games this year for just the second time ever, and it's coming on the heels of, of losing 28 games a season ago. I, the fact that we're even discussing, there's nothing else that needs to be said. I don't care if I don't care if we were dealing with a death penalty. I don't care if we were dealing with not being able to play on TV. I don't care if we were dealing with not being able to play non-conference games, not being able to to give scholarships to players taller than five foot eight. There's no excuse for Louisville basketball to ever be this bad. We're gonna lose twenty plus games again for the second straight year. We've done it one time in the history of the program before last year. That's all that needs to be said. Because when, you're, when your floor is this low, there's no way that your ceiling can be as high as we expect it to be at a place like this. And that's what it always comes back to for me. Do I think there's a world where you know, Kenny Payne with the right group, let's say he gets two of the five best players in the transfer portal during the offseason, brings back the nucleus of this year's team, guys get healthy, maybe he lands Carter Knox. I don't think it's going to happen. I mean, that's the thing, if you keep Kenny Payne for a third year, and you're like, well, we're going to get Carter Knox and this other kid. Well, Carter Knox is going to go to Kentucky or it's going to go to the G League. That's, it's that simple. But let's say we did get Carter Knox. And you've got this roster that's just loaded with talent. And now you've got some experience tossed in. And Kenny Payne's been doing this job for, for year three. What do we expect the best case scenario is with that group? After losing 28 games in year one and 23, 24 games in year two. Going to the NCAA tournament? That's best case scenario. That's what it feels like, right? Like, it just seems like in a perfect world where everything breaks our way, the best we could ever do with Kenny Payne as our head coach is maybe go to the NCAA tournament and, I don't know, be a sixth seed that pulls an upset in the second rounds and goes to a sweet 16. And even that seems so far-fetched based on what we've seen the last couple of years. There is no world. Like, I can't, I, I can't envision Kenny Payne on the stage watching one shining moment with his team all wearing their national title shirts. Like, it, there's just no world I can see him being a, a coach that's good enough to win a national championship. And when that's the case, like you've got to go ahead and just cut ties. And I, I do think that it's happening. I do think that we've just got a couple of weeks left of this because it's, it, 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 it's so weird, and I've been saying this now for, for two years. Typically when you have a coach who's – who's underachieving a little bit and there are questions about his job security, there are questions about his hot seat, it feels like the heat is hotter or it's stronger locally, right? The perfect example is Scott Satterfield here with U of L football where the, the fan base the fan base was way more upset with Scott Satterfield than the national media thought it should have been. You've got people who are clamoring for him to get fired after the, the, the COVID year where they only win three games. People are upset about the South Carolina Dalians. They're upset about him just winning seven games a year after that. And national people are still like, Scott Satterfield knows what he's doing. Look at what he did at Appalachian State. He's a great ex-nose coach. got great reputation. Louisville, their expectations are too high. You can't expect to win more than seven or eight games at a place like Louisville. 
and, and that's how it typically goes, where the nat- the big bad national media is is far more willing to defend a coach than the local media, the local fan media, the local fan base. And it's been kind of the reverse here, where yeah, a lot there are people that have been very upset from day one. I mean, I think you can go back and listen to our shows from March of. Uh, of 2022, and then certainly after the first exhibition game and the first couple of games in November to get a taste of that. But you've also had a lot of people that have pushed back against that. You, you've had a you, local media, fan media, uh, a, a decent chunk of the fan base that both last year and then for chunks of this year has pushed back against that narrative and said, you know, KP moves in silence. You got to give him time. Uh, he's he, trusting KP. All of that stuff has happened. Whereas the national media, for the most part, has been like, this is the worst thing I've ever seen in my entire life. I mean, you had Sam Vecini like two months into into last season being like, I can't tell what he's doing. Like, like there's no discernible offense being run. Um, they, it looks like a complete cluster. Nobody has any idea how to do the most basic things on defense. Like, this is a disaster. And I, I kind of, he was like, I think his exact words were, I've seen enough. Like, th- this isn't going to get fixed. You can go ahead and fire him now if you want to. I'm good with it. And just say, whoops, we bleeped up. Let's go ahead and move on. And that's been what you've gotten more times than not from people that cover the sport nationally. It's just, it's a weird thing to me, Roman, that that we've had so many local people that have been like, and maybe it's because he is a local guy. Um, That's exactly it. You think it's just that? He's a hometown hero to a degree. And people think that, you know, he deserves a chance to rebuild the program to how he wants it to be run and this and that and. I don't see where, you know, anybody thinks where where they've seen enough to to let him go on any longer. I do think nostalgia plays a part. Yeah, for sure. I, I think you've got you have people who fell in love with Louisville basketball during that time period where Kenny Payne was helping the the program win a national title and, and you know, building the program into what it was in the nineteen eighties. And then you also have attached to that the other people from the eighties, the other players from the eighties and some of them from the you know, the, the late seventies, the early nineties that helped make this program what it is who all rallied around wanting Kenny Payne to be the guy. And so I think you've had a segment of the fan base that has felt like going against Kenny Payne, regardless of the on-court results, has been going against some of their heroes, some of the, uh, of the guys that they first remember falling in love with Louisville basketball because of their production. And I think that that does change things. And I try to be, like, like, I don't know. I, I try think, to put myself in that headspace a little bit. I think the people who were like had a little bit more logic did that at the end of last year. I, I think you're right. I, you know, I, I'm not saying more logic, like you know, but people who had a you know were seeing reality a little bit more clear ha- had this like realization. That literally, this time, little little bit before this time last year, like okay, you know, chalk this year. He, he it's his first year. He has to learn something, right? Let's give him one more try. He, he's going to have better talent. Da 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 da. And he immediately show show that like he couldn't do it. He can't do it. He doesn't know what he's doing. I I try to think like C.D. Kaplan, who writes for my side, who's like thirty years older than I am. I think he's in his he's early seventies now. So we get more than thirty, like thirty five years older than I am. He he was so like overwhelmed by emotion when Kenny Payne got hired. You know, he thanked him in his press conference. He's written glowingly about him, and I think he's been more wanting to kind of hold on to the belief that this could get fixed because of that. And I try to put myself in that headspace where I'm like, let's say, let's say the program for the next 15 years just it's not what we want it to be. 
no, not like the the, the Patino off the court stuff or the the, the, the Mac off the court stuff. But we're just we we become Indiana, the worst fear out there. Like we're okay every now and then. We go to the NCAA tournament a couple of you know three out of every four years, three out of every five years. But we're never we're never a realistic threat to win a national title, and we don't go to to regional semifinals or finals or anything like that. And we bring in like Russ Smith. To, to take over the program. Russ Smith, and he's got a staff of you know, Dewan Wheat and the, 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 the son of Francisco Garcia. And it's just, it, it's, it feels like old times again. And I would be, yeah, as somebody who, who, who loves Russ, who loves Dewan, who, who loved the, the, the players of those eras, who became deeply enamored with Louisville basketball in large part because of those guys. I maybe would feel a little bit more personally invested and maybe would want to give them a longer leash. I'd like to think that even then, it's hard to put yourself in the headspace of, of where you're going to be 20, 25 years from now. I, I would like to think that if things got as bad as they are now, I would still have to say I, I will always love Russ, Rusticulous forever, but my man can't do the job. He's got to go. And I think that's been a difficult realization for a lot of people who've been waiting for a, you know, a former player like Kenny Payne to come in and take over this program, and in their eyes, save the program. Yeah, I've never really thought about it like that. I've always, I've been sitting here trying to understand why people, why there is those people out there who wanted the second year this badly and wanted want want a third year still. And I'm like, that that kind of did put it put it a little bit more into perspective. I would kind of be like, if this was Russ Smith right now, right? Yeah. <laughs> how, how would I feel? What would I What would I be saying? And that's tough to think about because I'd still want to say like he's young. He needs to. He wants to learn how to coach. He has to go through the tribulations and da 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 da. da. And to be fair, Russ will have, if that was the case right now, Russ would have had no experience at all with college coaching other than being a player, right? Mm-hmm. Kenny, Kenny's been on the sideline of a great program and other great programs and, and knowing of coaches of, of good programs and all this other stuff that pointed to him maybe having an idea how to do it, you know? So that'd be tough. I think Russ would still have to go, though. I think that's just what – you forget how long Denny Crum was here, right? The man was the coach here for four decades. That spans a, multiple generations of fans who who knew nothing other than Denny Crum, Louisville basketball, and they fell in love with that. And I think there were a lot of Louisville fans who, who like, you know, older than me, certainly older than you, who when, when Rick Pitino got here, even though success came fairly quickly, it's still, it, it was so different for them for them. Yeah, Patino is such a a hard left turn from Denny Crum. You know, he's got the fancy suits. He's got he's New York to the core. He's he's brash. He's yelling at the officials constantly. Like he's he's big time. He 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 didn't feel like a Louisville guy at first, and I think that for that reason, like people were still holding on to some sort of like reservations, even when he was having that success. And I think when when things fell apart so dramatically at the end, and it was in part because of of off the court stuff involving Patino. Look, if the FBI thing had been, and the FBI thing is bogus, I, I can argue about that all day. It was, it was absolute crap. But if that had been an isolated incident, Rick Patino's still the coach. But it is the, the the Karen Cipher stuff. It is the yeah. the the Katina Powell stuff. It is the embarrassments that happened off the floor. And I think that for a lot of people, despite the winning. They were very much ready for things to go back, quote-unquote, to the way they used to be. And the only way to do that in their eyes was bring back somebody from that era for, who, who was you know, a, a player under Crum who could remind them of the 70s and the 80s. And they thought, you know, we're going to go back to not seeing our names in the headlines for these embarrassing scandals. We're going to go back to having 
somebody who's like Coach Crum and, and who carries himself the same way, and then the winning's going to follow. And then when that hasn't happened, I think it's been a difficult thing for people to wrap their minds around that we're going, like, we're kind of in no man's land now. You had the the Crum era, and then you had, like, you know, I mean, I was, I was 14, 13 when, when Crum got kind of forced out and then brought Patino in. So I, I do have very fond memories of the, the end of the Crum era. I don't remember the 80s or, or the, 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 the pinnacle, the, the peak years of the Crum era. But I kind of, you know, the best teams of my lifetime as a Louisville fan have been Rick Patino teams. So like, I, I definitely have that, still that kind of mindset of, I, I guess I'm from the Patino era. Most people are from the Crum era. And now I think we tried to bring the Crum era back at one point, and we're kind of out there searching for an identity. Like whoever this next hire is, and we've been harping on this a lot, how just how important it is. Like they get to kind of shape the new identity of Louisville basketball because we tried to go back, it didn't work. We tried to move seamlessly to Chris Mack, who had ties to to Louisville, was going to kind of play, do certain things the same way that Rick did, certain things the same way that Denny did. It didn't work, and now we're it's kind of like. What's next? The next chapter is going to be something entirely different. We tried to listen to the former players. We tried to do it your way. We tried to do it the fans of the, you know, the, who grew up in the 70s and the 80s. It didn't work. And so now it's all about what's next. And it's going to be something entirely different. It's probably going to take a while. But I think because this failed so dramatically and so completely that people will be more open-minded to something that's new and something that's fresh and something that's, uh, that, you know, that's, that's hard to, to predict than they would have been if we'd hired somebody totally different two years ago, if that makes any sense whatsoever. I don't know. I'm rambling. I get it. No, I get it. It makes perfect sense. There's, there's, uh, you know, each each era of Louisville basketball from a, from the coach standpoint had its own identity. It had a way it wanted to play. It had a way it, it pursued freshmen and recruits. It had its own thing in every category, really. And um, we haven't had, you know, Kennedy hasn't, Kenny hasn't had one thing that he's shown is like something that it's going to be our thing that we're known for, going to be good at or excel at at all. And, no. And, you know, Rick had a couple of different things, you know, like small and big things. He was going to be a, a, you know, his full personality in the media. That's a major thing, you know, that you always could guarantee. And he was also going to be, you know, clear and, and understanding and all, uh, tactical if he had to be and emotional if he had to be right. You know, we don't, we don't get that now. Um, defense he had a play style that he liked to you know run like he brought players in for his play style that was the play style was more important than than you know like a lot of things sure right um and those are things that are required in the louisville basketball program now i feel like you you've got to bring a a certain level of of you know operation running smoothly in, in some areas to to you know keep the fans on your side and that was one of the big things that, that I think came along with hiring a coach who had never done this before. When you hired Rick Pitino, you, you knew more or less what you were going to get, right? Like, you knew he had this reputation for the full-court press. He had the reputation for taking a bunch of threes. He was going to play an up-tempo style. If you weren't going to play defense, he was going to pull your ass out of the game. And with Kenny Payne, the mystery was, was kind of his big, biggest asset and his biggest uh, question mark was – you know, you, you couldn't point to like Mick Cronin always loses early and too early in the NCAA tournament for us. Uh, you know, Nate Oates has, hasn't gotten it done at a high enough level for a long enough period of time. Like you didn't have that stuff with Kenny Payne, but you also had no idea what he was going to play or like what his style was going to be or what he wanted to make, what, what his stamp on this program was going to be. And 
it's two years into this, and we still don't know. Because all we know is that that whatever we try to run on defense and whatever we try to run on offense is done poorly. And he talks about, you know, we I want to be one of the best defensive co- teams in, in all of college basketball. I am settle for being like the best defensive team in the SWAC because you you haven't like like the defensive numbers are beyond woeful. We're still anything. <clears throat> we're, anything. We're, we're 229th in the country in adjusted defensive efficiency a year after being 312th. Shoot the best in the paint. Be the best three-point shooting team. Be anything. I think that it was like when when Patino got hired, his very first game, I'll, I'll, I'll never forget this, because at the end of the Crum era, there was, and, and again, we're talking about teams at the end of the Crum era that are, are still, were still light years better than this one or last year's team. But they didn't play hard enough. They had, you know, there were a lot of times where it felt like they weren't listening to the Hall of Fame coach on the sidelines. They, the defense got a little bit lax. The offense got clunky. Crum didn't like to evolve with a modern game. He still was running the UCLA high post offense, not emphasizing the three-point line. And I remember... Patino's very first game against South Alabama. With not a lot of talent, we full court press, we get after it. We set the program record for most uh, most turnovers in a game, turning over an opponent. I think we turned South Alabama over like 38 times. It was something absurd. And you were like, okay, this year's team, we may not be a legit title threat or anything like that, but playing this style and yeah. seeing the way that he's – like this is – This is different <clears throat> and good. When he gets his dudes in here, like this is going to work. This exact style. And we we came out under Kenny Payne, and the first impression could not have been more of the opposite. You know, we lose the 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 exhibition game, and not just lose, like we look so much worse than Lenore Ryan. Like we're not running anything. We we don't look like we know what we're supposed to be doing on defense. And that just continued the entire season. And it's and, and we turn around after bringing this new recruiting class, getting some some key guys out of the transfer portal and all this talk about how things were going to get different and the the guys who left last year's program were, were the the troublemakers, the bad apples, the, the low-character kids. And we come out and we look the exact same way in the first exhibition game this year. There's never been one point in time where you look at it and you're like, okay, this is going to be Kenny Payne's calling card. This, this is what his teams are going to be famous for. This is what they're going to do well. The only thing that's been consistent has been how poorly we've defended, uh, how often we get lit up by somebody from out, outside, and... I mean, turning the ball over it's slightly better this year it's still terrible like it's just I, I don't know what a really good Kenny Payne team with really good talent that's going to win at a high level even looks like schematically there's just I, I totally agree in the games we've looked our best in these last two years one or two guys heavily being you know shooting a lot of shots or like there hasn't been great team wins there hasn't been a lot of great team wins at all the best thing he's accomplished in two years is Almost beating a Texas team that right now is in the first four in of Lenardi's bracketology. We almost beat an 11 seed. That's his biggest accomplishment as the head coach here. I That says it all. We'll take a break. When we come back, I've got a couple other things to get to. We can turn the page from this conversation. Thankfully, we will also hear from you on the Thornton's text line for the first time today at 502-414-1450. It's the Mike Rutherford Show. Hour number two is up next here on the Big X.
little hootie for you on a Wednesday. Welcome back into the Mike Rutherford Show. Hour number two here on 1450 the Big X. Yeah, we did have the uh, I mean, if you, music festival coming to, to Louisville in a couple of months. I guess it's going to be late May. Jack Harlow announced today that he's going to be headlining Gazebo Fest, which is going to happen on the Waterfront Park. Sizz is also going to be there. Uh, James Blake, Vince Staples, uh, Rich Homie Kwan. It's going to be a loaded group. I'm excited about this. Uh, I think it's going to be a nice little addition to the Louisville music scene, which has been lacking a little bit the last couple of years. I mean, we still have Louder Than Life. We still have Bourbon and Beyond. But since um, – what was the the big music? Forecastle. Forecastle. God, I just completely blanked there. Since Forecastle went away, and we're not sure what the future is going to hold there, it feels like we've – there's a little bit of a hole. And now we've got this. I, I, I feel good about this, Roman. Yeah, it's super exciting. You know, I think what is it? Uh, Bonnaroo bought Forecastle out, and then is that they, what happened? Then they had some issues. Like they they went one year after being bought out. They had a year. They changed the design a little bit, and then now they've said we're taking a two year hiatus. Yeah, I mean, at first it was like we always planned to do this the one year off, and now it's like, eh, we're not really sure what's going on. So that that sucks. But Jack Harlow stepping up, bringing some big time acts here. I'm excited about this. It'll be two days. I think pre sale tickets are already available. So uh, very cool. It was cool to see that announcement. We are back here after the few days off uh, going to, the, to Disney World with the fam. Great trip, but happy to be back, ready for the the final rush here of the college basketball season, the final push, potentially the final weeks of the Kenny Payne era. Uh, of course, we've got cars in action tonight against Duke on the road at Cameron Indoor Stadium. 7 o'clock is the tip-off time. ACC Network has the call. You can listen to all the action on our sister station, 970 WGTK. Before we get to the before we get to the Thornton Stacks line for the first time today, I feel like we need a little bit of a pick me up after that basketball talk because it was it's just rehashing things that have been going on for the last week. But I didn't have a chance to react to the Notre Dame game or react to the the fallout of what has transpired in the days since, and, and so I had to get those thoughts out there. But we need a, a pick me up now. And how about this? Sportsbetting.ag they've come out with their early odds for teams to make the college football playoff. Ohio State is the team most likely to make the playoff, according to sportsbetting.ag. They've got OSU as a 1-10 to favorite to be just in the 12-team playoff. Other teams with the best odds, Georgia is there at 1-9. to Oregon is 1-5. to Texas is 1-5 to as well. Clemson and Florida State uh, out of the AC are both 2-5. to And then Kansas State is 1-2. to I bring this up because slightly down the list, at 9-4, to you have your Fighting Cardinals of the University of Louisville. There's only other one team with 9-4 to four odds, and it's the Alabama Crimson Tide. So we're getting the same odds as Alabama, obviously in a transition period for them, to make the CFP next year. Notre Dame, who we play in late September, is 5-2 right behind us on the list. LSU, behind us on the list. Texas A&M, 5-1, behind us on the list. Louisville's odds to win the ACC, 11-2. Fourth choice behind only Clemson, Florida State, and Miami. It's ours. It feels good to be on these lists. Kentucky, if you're wondering, by the way, is an 80-1 to shot uh, to win the SEC. They're not getting college football playoff odds. So there's that. Congrats on your five straight wins over us. The, the nation still feels better about us. But just seeing Louisville football on a list like that, it's a nice little breath of fresh air when we're sitting here talking about <laughs> winning eight games in basketball and why there's an argument about what the future of the program is. Just, just think. Football... Spring practice is coming, spring game is coming, and then right after that we're going to turn the page to a team that, that has a legitimate shot, it feels like, to make the first college football playoff. Better days are ahead, Roman. 
They are. It just, I just had a random thought, a random memory from a, from a tailgate earlier this Hit season. Hit me! Before basketball season started, I had a Kentucky fan of mine, Fred, close friend of mine who lives right down on Central Avenue, so whenever all the guys are going to the tailgate, he finds a red t-shirt or, or a red outerwear to wear. Well, good for um, him, at least he's not wearing the blue. Yeah, he doesn't wear the blue, he doesn't wear, wear Cardinals guys. either. We've had a Cardinal shirt a couple times, right? But I just remembered, he tried to get me to bet him that Braum wins more games than Kenny this year. And I remember thinking, no way. He's going to figure it out. He's going to win at least 10 games. <laughs> we might have this in back-to-back years. Because, you know, last year there was this big thing where when, when Louisville was really struggling, like when, when they were 2-9 and nine in conference play or whatever it was, people started bringing up, like, oh, you know, are, are we going to win more games in basketball or football this year? And, and it became like an ongoing joke. And I'm like, of course the basketball team is going to win more games. So, you know, we won – what six in in, in uh, or seven in Satterfield's last year, and I'm like, you know, we're we're gonna win at least eight games. It's it's a little basketball for God's sake. This is bad. It's terrible. It's worse than anything we've ever seen. But eventually they're going to get there. And I kind of just dismissed it as a joke. And the, the football team damn near ended up doubling up the basketball team last season. And now this year, you've got Brom winning ten games. And people were making the same type of joke, and I, I again sort of dismissed it. And we are now. It's crunch time here. This team could very easily, you know, lose five straight and end the season with eight wins. Or they could just win one more game and end the season with nine wins. I'm not sure that they're getting past football. This could be two straight years where the football team outwins the basketball team. And that's, again, like as if we needed more, more rationale to say that there's just no justification for a third year. Jeff Brom and Scott Satterfield are winning more games and seasons than Kenny Payne. It just, that can't happen. Cannot happen. It shouldn't happen if you win a national title in football, but here we are. 502-414-1450 is the Thornton's text line. Let's take uh, some text from you guys before we, uh, before we move on. Text says, have you heard the rumblings that UofL has made Billy Donovan the tar- top target? As unlikely as that seems, this has been going around on the usual message boards and social media rumor mill the past couple of days. I have not heard this. This is a, and again, I've been a little bit checked out. I've been not texting with the usual suspects, but I have not heard the the Billy Donovan scuttle. I would love it, obviously. I mean, I, I kind of put Billy Donovan up there with Jay Wright as far as the yeah, that's that feels like a home run hire, but it also feels like a white whale that's just not out there. Like, like it just Jay Wright's not coming out of retirement. He seems very happy. Billy Donovan, I don't think, wants to coach college basketball. He no, may, he may not have he, a choice. I don't think he does. And I think people don't realize that Billy Donovan has a job around the league if he needs one. You, even if he gets fired. Yeah, if he gets fired in Chicago, he's, he's, he'll be fine. I mean, I, I, I guess maybe he could find another head coaching job in the NBA. or find, I mean, he could definitely find a, a support job in the NBA if he wanted to. Easily. But maybe if he wanted to rewrite his career, because he was he, – he was, Moving along nicely at Oklahoma City for a while there. Yeah, and I think he was. I think he's a large reason why you know they're where they're at now. If we're going to talk honestly about this, because I, I don't think there's. I mean, he has said both publicly and privately for a while that, that he never wants to go back to college coaching, just because. I, I think a lot of coaches who make that transition are like, "This is so much easier. <laughs> you, you you don't have to college basketball, or college football, college coaching jobs are basically three hundred sixty five day a year commitments now." Like you don't get vacation time. I think it's like a double-edged sword, but one end's a knife and one end's a sword. 
I think that's fair. <laughs> I think that, that I think it's easier in the NBA. You know, it's better paying sometimes. And there's sometimes like depending on well, yeah, your situation, your your expectation can be a lot easier to deal with sometimes, right? But in return, you do have a lot less control depending on who your who your GM is and how your organization operates. You have a lot less control, and I feel like people have shorter memories. Like if you do, a, I mean, he did great at Oklahoma City, and then very yeah. quickly when things fell apart, you know, thanks in no small part to like the, the the talent level on that team just falling off a cliff. You know, it was that was it. He was done. Like, you, we got to get this guy out of here. He doesn't know what he's doing. And so you do have a lot of coaches have very, very short lifespans in, in the NBA. But let's say that, that Billy Donovan does say, I'm, I'm ready for a resurgence. I'm, I'm ready to go back to the college game. I want to be the king again. And Louisville always loved it there. My mentor was the coach there for a long time. I coached with him. Uh, always wanted to go back. Let's, let's get Louisville back to its rightful place atop the college basketball landscape. I'm not sure like, – Again, I, I would be fully supportive of it. I'd be very excited. I'd be on cloud nine because this dude did amazing things at Florida. College basketball has changed a lot, a lot since Billy Donovan was in the game. It will, if he were the coach for next year, it'd be the 2024-25 season. It would have been, it will have been a full ten years since he was a college basketball head coach. And you don't forget the X's and O's part of it, but as far as the talent acquisition recruiting and transfer portal and balancing the two and everything that goes into the new college basketball head coaching demands, there's no guarantee that he would be able to handle that seamlessly. There's just not. So, and again, like I would take him, I feel like I keep having to reiterate this, I would take him over pretty much all of the the college candidates that we're talking about right now. I would as well. But. Easily. Without there, a doubt. There would still be a box, uh, kind of that you wouldn't be able to check. There'd still be a little bit of a mystery there. Like, can he do what he did at Florida 18, 17 years ago? Now, and, and I think he would have to answer that himself. Like, we'd have to figure it out. But, but again, like it, I have not heard that scuttle. I don't think it's a realistic possibility. But I like that it's out there. Thank you for for sending that text in. Texture says the man is back to hum on these airwaves. You're damn right. Texture says Mike, I have a proposition for you. I'm an attorney, and whenever you need legal information on the show, I'm willing to and able to give it. My payment is simple. When I come on, you have to say, suck at scoots. Agreed. Sure. Lest we not forget, though, that I do have one year of law school experience. So it's we're, a lot. we're basically the same. I'm sure you know a lot more than people would realize with one year. Uh, no, I, I don't, Roman. I, I, I appreciate you saying that, but your certainty would not be rewarded there. I don't. I'll need the story on what made you stop one day. I was... I want to do this. I, really? I, I got a, yeah, I was doing this through, uh, I worked at a law firm uh, and went to law school for a year. I was doing Card Chronicle. It was kind of taken off a little bit. And basically the, the people at Espionation were like, we're going to pay you enough to do that and give you this job being our editor for college basketball uh, if you want it. And it was a chance to do this professionally and, and I, I jumped at it. And it was I, I didn't hate law school. I think I would have hated being a lawyer. Like I, I think if I'd stayed in, in an alternate timeline where I stay in law school and finish up and, and become an attorney, I think I'm very unhappy right now. Maybe I'm wrong, but I I, I kind of got that. Every now and then I get glimpses of my future. I'm just I don't, I don't think I could have been a happy lawyer. My brothers are, are both attorneys. I was about to say if you have a brother who's in law or or a sibling, I can already see Rutherford and Rutherford in the commercials and 
call 502-333-3333. Like, I can already see it. But they never would have practiced with me. I'm glad you do this. They're, 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 they're both much smarter than I am. Texas, could the Wendy surge pricing be Junior's way of fundraising for the buyout? Maybe. Yeah, he's got the <laughs> – maybe that's what's happening here. I didn't realize that Wendy's was price surging, but maybe that's what's happening here. Um, you, you get the new Fazoli's going back in. It's all adding up here. It's all it's all adding up. Texas, I can't wait till we beat Duke tonight so that KP supporters can go crazy on the socials. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah. do, we, do we even think that would happen if we beat Duke on the road tonight? Do we think that there would be a resurgence of the KP K rules KP rules? Let's, uh, let's uh, not a resurgence. A not a resurgence. They'd pop out of the bushes, but. I don't think it'd be a full-on resurgence. And we'd still be nine and nineteen, still in last place in the ACC. It would be. I mean, we're we're a twenty and a half point underdog. I think, and it's sad that we've had to look this up multiple times. So I think this would be point spread wise, the second biggest upset in the history of Louisville basketball. If we were able to pull it behind only that previously mentioned upset of of Kentucky in nineteen ninety seven, the, the ninety seven ninety eight season. So I think that one we looked it up once. I think it was like a we were twenty one and a half point dogs, which I guess technically this game could still get up to. So it would be one of the most improbable wins in the history of Louisville basketball, and I still don't think it would change anything. I don't. I also don't think it's going to happen because Duke is. We'll talk more about this in the five o'clock hour, but Duke is is a little bit wounded. They had the the loss to Wake Forest over the weekend. They had the emotional stuff with the you know the the court storming and and Filipowski. Uh, getting hit, and, and he is going to play tonight. Shockingly, he's going to play tonight. Um, so I, I think they're looking for style points, and they will, if they can put it on us tonight, they will put it on us tonight because they got a chance to win the conference. They have a chance to be a top two seed in the NCAA tournament. Uh, the metrics love when you blow teams out, especially Ken Palm. So they will, if they have a chance to beat us by 40 tonight, they will. And I think they'll have a chance to beat, beat us by not 40, but somewhere relatively close. Texas, all right, Mike. I was listening to the Spears show this morning, and Ed Peak was the guest host. He firmly believes that Kenny is going to get a third year. And he's, Ed is one of those guys that has been involved in Louisville Athletics for like 80 years. <laughs> he said that powers above Josh Hurd are wanting a third year. Please tell me he's wrong. Please, God, tell me he's wrong. I, I think he's wrong. I believe he's wrong as well. I, I think what all this stems from is the the talk about Josh wanted to – make a move on Kenny in the middle of the year and then it didn't happen and and now it's there are people pulling the strings above Josh. I, I do think that that's partly the case, but it's like I said at the beginning of the show, I think you had I think there's an agreement that people were like, give Kenny the rest of the year, see what happens, and if it's still apparent to everybody that he's got to go, we'll 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 pay the buyout. And I think now it's very apparent to everybody that he's gonna have to go and, and I think that he's going to have to go. You can't I don't care how powerful the people are that in this scenario want Kenny Payne to get a year three, at some point you've got to say enough's enough. And it's like I, you know, I went on the I don't I don't rant, but I, I did go on the spiel a few months ago when this was a thing where they're like the people with all the money, they're saying they're going to pull out and not be a part of the program if you don't give Kenny Payne a year three. We, who cares about their money at this point? Like we've got their money and we are a disaster. You you know, if if this is what. Louisville basketball looks like with some of the biggest fundraisers going all in on Kenny Payne, then my God, like let's at least see what it looks like without their money. Like who cares? It's at some point it has to be about winning and about being fun and we're not winning and nobody's having fun. So if they want to leave and, and you know, take their ball and go home, so be it. Like, bye. See ya. 
And I do think, I don't think, I, I, I keep saying I think, I, I know this. I know that there are at least three high pro, I hate using the word boosters because it, it, it makes it seem like it's such a shame. But there are high profile, three high profile donors who I know personally who are very much in the like, we cannot do this again boat. And that contingent is growing. Are you allowed to tell us who? Yeah, no. I mean, yeah. well, I mean, Aaron Flakers is vocal on Twitter about his, his his opinions regarding Kenny Payne, and this is a guy who has helped fund Louisville baseball significantly. Has donated a lot to U of L over the years. Who's I would put him in that. He's a relatively large donor category, and he is like he's not afraid to say it. Like he's like this. You know, this is this is bad. This is, this has to change. We can't keep doing this. Mike, can I ask you something? Of course. Can you explain to me? What like booster slash donor like what that really means like what do they what is there to gain on their end yes I think I mean access and influence like you get some signs with your name on them or your company's name or something like that around sure I mean I I think whenever anything's going on at the University of Louisville you feel you feel like you're in the know. It also sets the stage for potentially being, you know, like a board of trustees member at some point down the line. Like you feel like you have a say. I see. I, I think it's. I mean, gives you a little bit of influence. Then one thing that I've learned over the years, like having every now and then some like close encounters and, and kind of doing things that put me in the same semicircle as like really rich people, is that really rich people get really bored. Like <laughs> you, know, you you spend your whole life. Dreaming of the day where you're like the, and a lot of these people were born into wealthy families, but some of them weren't. And some of them like dreamed of, of, of the day that they were going to be adults with all this money to spend and, you know, taking all these vacations and doing all these things. And, and for a lot of them, whether you had the money, whether you inherited the money, or whether you earned it through like your own labor, like the dream, once you've realized it, it sets in that it maybe doesn't feel the way that you thought it was going to and you kind of want more. And you realize you can't spend all that money. Like, like there's just there's, there's not that much to do. You they travel a lot, they do a lot of things, but so they're willing to just like donate tons of money to things like U of L sports or you know T Boone Pickens at Oklahoma State. Like just just go all in and being a booster and you know having your your, your name around a bunch of things. And in Louisville, college sports are the pro sports. So I think there are a lot of people that just you know you, you name some stadiums after me, name some facilities after me. Uh, let me be on the board. Let let me have some some influence. If something's going on, I I want to be able to know about. It. I want to be in the room where it happens. I I want that to be. I want to be that person. I'll have to get involved with some of that later on in life. I look look. If I had a lot of money, I I definitely would become like mega booster. If I inherited some sort of crazy amount of oil money or won the lottery, scoot style, I would love to be T Boone Pickens. I, I would love to, J Mike Rutherford is what you could call me, and I would just be like all in with U of L stuff. And the Rutherford suite. Hell yeah. It'd be it'd be great. Like you know, I would travel a lot too. I'd hopefully invest wisely. I'd be happy to set You'd aside. You'd be in funds. every away game. But I would, I, yeah, sports. I would just travel with the team. I, I would just do whatever <laughs> I wanted to. I would, I would love to do it. Speaking of facilities with baseball, I know that there've been a lot of talk about since Dan McDonald aired some grievances at the end of last year. But today they did announce that they're going a new locker room is coming. The Henry Davis locker room, the former number one draft pick of, of the Pittsburgh Pirates, the former U of L yeah. catcher. Uh, they've they've got. A new locker room that I guess he's been involved in helping uh, fund is coming to you. They put out the 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 video of what it's going to look like on their social media channels about an hour ago. 
So that's very exciting. At least one of the big projects that Dan McDonald has been asking for is going to come to fruition in the relatively near future. So that's good news. Good news with uh, for, for Louisville baseball. 502-414-1450 is the Thornton's tax line. Texas says, did you happen to witness while uh, this while you were at Disney World? It was the NYU doctor dies after dining at Disney World restaurant. The wait staff insisted that the food was allergen-free. Uh, I did not happen to experience that. Um, that's not good. I don't think that, that actually happened while I was there, it looks like, from the story. Um, I will say this about the... the, the, the the food at Disney is not good, right? It's just you can find some places that have good things, but the cost of it is outrageous. The, I mean, Disney's got you by the the, the cojones. Like, like they know they don't have to give you great rooms. They don't have to give you great food because we, are you not going to come back to Disney World? Of course you are. Uh, no, but it's this, not what you're there for. Exactly. This happened it. at um, in October, so no, I did not see that. Raglan Road Irish Pub. That's very sad. She had a nut allergy uh, and dairy allergy, and they gave her food that they think that her husband thinks had uh, was not allergen free. So that's very sad. But yeah, we stayed at the. I mean, the, the cost of these places, Roman, is just. I can't it, imagine. It's outrageous, and we stayed at one of the quote unquote like discount places, like not you know that you have like the Grand Floridian, and you stayed. I think the Polynesian is, is under um, construction. Like the, the the ones that are actually like in the park are absurd it's like you could go to europe three times to stay at these places i don't even know really like how it's all set up down there like so were you near where the nba bubble was um like is that the is where yes. you at disney universal studios is that where you were we're relatively close like you see like the wild world of espn stuff i think that which i think is where it was so we're, yeah, we're, yeah, that's where the bubble was is that near where you yes were? okay yes it's, it's all kind of located and they've like it, it's not that inconvenient. Like you think it's going to be, but it's not. But we um, we stayed at the Art of Animation Resort, which is like they've got like like Finding Nemo air areas of rooms. They got Little Mermaid rooms, and we at the last second we're like, you know, we're trying to do this all, as cheap as we can, but it's impossible to do it anything that resembles the word cheap. So we at the last second we're like, we need a little bit more space. We're saying this like one room cramped place, so we upgrade. I don't know, like $75,000 or whatever it is to like the Lion King suite. And so we get that, which is it's like one bedroom, um, one main room, and a bathroom. So I sleep on the pullout couch. Mary and, and my daughter sleep on the bed. And John, we get like a little pack and play that we just shove him in the bathroom like we do on all vacations. And <laughs> he sleeps there. Uh, but like, and that's like the suite of this area. And that's, and that's doing it as cheap as you possibly can. But they don't have to give you nice rooms. They don't have to give you a men. They don't have smart TVs. They don't have anything. Like semi nice because they don't have to, because they know you're gonna come back. And the, the the food at these places is crap, and it's still you know you get a pretzel for like eighteen dollars uh, that's in a Mickey shape. It, it's just it's outrageous. But you know going in like you can't get mad about it, you can't get angry because you like you know, and you just you just kind of have to put up with it for as long as you're going to be there. But yeah, sleeping on the pullout was not not ideal. It was not great. Uh, I was happy to be back in a normal bed last night. You have three kids. Two. We got two. a four-year-old uh, daughter and a two-year-old son. So yeah, we, we saw some like as as tough as it was. I mean, you're so and your daughter's <clears> name is Virginia, right? She is. I feel like you guys should have been rotating. Uh, no, it's okay. It, it was fine. It was yeah. It was it, it worked out all right. We've done that in the past, but you know, I got John down. She got Virginia down. It worked out well. We had we had it down to a system by the time we got out of there. 
But like you do have to like like nothing is. They have shuttle buses that will take you to the parks. That will take you to like Magic Kingdom. It's only like it was like a ten minute drive, so it wasn't too bad. But every time you get on a shuttle, you do anything like that. You got to fold up this giant stroller. You got to get the kids on. Like it was just it was such a production every time you went anywhere. The they have the Skyliner, which is sort of like the you know the the the, the gondolas they have at ski resorts. That will take there's one that like it goes above the city. You can fly uh, in the air to Hollywood Studios. So that helped. We had one that would go straight there. That was kind of fun. The kids like doing it. The monorail you can go take that once you get into the parks. But it's 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 a lot. To it was not as bad as I thought it was going to be. But still, like folding up that stroller every single time and getting the kids out and putting them back in. It was in the first night. It poured at the end of the night. So we're like sprinting through the entire kingdom to try to get to our bus. And we get there. And both kids are just passed out in the stroller. It was that's an adventure. It is, but it's it was still it, it all people say it's always worth it and, and they're right, it's worth it. We'll take a break when we come back. More from you guys on the Thornton Sex Line. 502-414-1450 is the number to text in. Your thoughts, your questions, your comments, your concerns, your whatever. It's the Mike Rutherford Show. Game day Wednesday here on 1450 the big X. All these discussions over who can see us. Hush it. I sold them basements. Out. Let's do arenas. Crush it. She loved it. I'm black. You can see us. Hush it. I sold them basements. Out. Let's do arenas. Crush it. She loved it. I'm blushing. I'm lying. I'm touching. So why you being extra, huh? Welcome back in. She's a European. We have exciting show news to talk about, Roman. Are you excited? Are you ready for this? I'm ready. So. One of the the long standing jokes in the show. When I first, when they were talking to me about coming over here and doing the show, and they, they brought me into the studio, they were telling me about stuff that they had planned and, and how this was going to work. And one of the things they said was, "We're going to have these these, these cameras set up, so we can stream on YouTube, and and you know the, the show can be interactive and you know very modern, all this stuff. And they're going to be installed next week." And I was like, "Cool, that sounds good. I haven't had that at any of the other stations I've been at." That'll be fun. That'll that'll be a new, cool little tool to play around with. And so, end up doing the show here, and like nothing on that front for a long time. And so it became a running joke. People would ask about YouTube cameras, or I would make a reference to the YouTube cameras, and I would just say, you know, they're coming next week. They'll be here next week. I heard today. No official confirmation. I was talking with one of the other guys here, that the cameras are supposed to be installed tomorrow. So we may have the YouTube cameras up at some point this week. It, it may, this may no longer be a joke. And now that it's it, we're on the precipice of it actually happening, I'm starting to think like, oh, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about this. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if I, like, maybe I accidentally picked my nose on the YouTube camera. And people call us out. I don't know. I don't know if I want that. Just eyes on me all the time. Yeah, you know, I mean, I got sweaty yesterday for the first time. Yeah. I mean, I've like, I've, I've had some... Some health issues while we've been on the air. I've had to, you know, sometimes I look a little bit weird. People may panic when they see me just, like, sweating buckets out of nowhere if that happens. Or make comments about how I'd get up and, like, walk around during every break, go to the bathroom of almost every break. I don't don't know. I mean, this could wind up being a bad thing for the show. Or maybe people will just embrace it that much more. Who knows? I actually had an interesting experience yesterday with TJ. He likes for the producer and talent cameras to be on. Yes, he does. So we could see each other the whole time yesterday. <laughs> that was that was new and interesting. Yeah, when when this first started, when we first moved over to the because we used to be on the other side of this room, but when we moved over, well, here, we could see each other anyway. Exactly. You have, you have the glass window, like it's kind of a standard setup. At least every 
studio that I, I worked at before this has had that set up where you can see the producer through the glass. And so th- that was never an issue. When we first moved over here, they, they set up the little cameras on the computer so that if we wanted to do this, and I never did it with Trevor, but when Scoots would do shows with me, he wanted to have it set up that way because he thought it worked better because they do that with KRC. And uh, it, it was a little bit strange. It was a little bit weird. I don't know. Sometimes it, it kind of froze and they you making a funny face. I, I didn't know. So we ended up not doing it after the first few shows. But it, it does – it provides a little bit of a different element to the show. But now we have the mystery of the, the wall between us. It's, it's also kind of weird. I don't know. We'll have to figure it out. All right. 502-414-1450 is the, the Thornton's tax line. Haven't said it yet. I'll say it now. Reminder, Thornton's has the best deals for you all 2024 long. If you want to take advantage, though, you have to be a Refreshing Rewards Program member. If you want to become a Refreshing Rewards Program member, it's very easy to do. Search Thornton's in your app store. Sign up. It'll take about 30 seconds. Download that app, and then you'll be able to use it anytime you fill up or go inside for a tasty treat at one of this area's 55,555 area Thornton's locations. There's that many of them for a reason. They know what they're doing. Do that and then text us. I just, I just signed up a couple days ago. I got 25 cents off. I'm telling you. It's a, it's a great deal, and those those deals don't go away. It's uh, Gas ain't cheap ever. Yeah, they're already telling me I got 15 cents off my next my next Boom. fill up. It's Thornton's. It's who they are. It's what they do. Texas, glad to have you back, Mike. I hope you and Mary had a chance to relax at some point during the Disney trip, and I hope the kids had fun and made a bunch of memories. We all need you refreshed and on top of your game for the busy month ahead. Well, I don't know if I'm going to do that, but thank you. Uh, no, no relaxing for sure. There's like no downtime. That's the one thing about these types of trips. Like it's just, you know, there was one time, the the first day we were at the park, cause we had the travel day on Thursday, which took a lot out of everybody. It was rough getting sort of trying to get set and the new sleeping arrangements and being in a different place. So we did magic kingdom and both kids were like faded at two o'clock, like just done. Like they, they're both like, can barely keep their eyes open. John's throwing a fit. So, like, we'll go back to the the, the 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 hotel, give them a quick nap, and then come back to the park. And so we go back, and of course, like, right when we get back, to the, they're slap happy. Neither one of them would take a nap. It was terrible. So we did go back to the park, and they were just dead at, at the end of the night. But, like, we were thinking maybe, like, that would be a nice time to have, you know, we get some quality time to ourselves, or we just take naps with the kids. And it just it never happened. You're, you're go, 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 go. And then by the time they go to sleep at, like, 8.39 or, or sometimes it was 10 getting back from the park. It's like, you're ready to go to sleep too. So it sucked. And then yesterday, there are only two flights out of Orlando to Louisville. And one is 8.55 in the morning. And the other was like 7 o'clock at night. And I was like, you know, it's going to suck. But like, let's just get up early. Yeah. You don't want, you know, we don't have enough time. You, you can't go to, the, to one of the parks. You can't do anything fun. You don't want to get all packed up in the morning, sleep in, and then just have nothing to do for three or four hours and just hang around. So we got up at 5 a.m. yesterday and... The kids were just terrible. It was awful getting them up after like five, six hours of sleep and went to the to the airport, had like two hours to kill at the airport because Orlando airport was shockingly not that busy. And then uh, you know we were home by like 11.15. So had the day a little bit. Mary and I slept in, in shifts during the afternoon for a couple of hours and got a little bit. But you're still like, you're never all the way caught up. And the only thing that sucks about doing coming back in the middle of the week is now you wake up today and you're in the middle of a work week. Like the kids have school. I got to get back in that to that flow. Take them to school. I'm working. Mary's working. So it's a you've still got three days left before you can kind of kick back and just try to enjoy a weekend. It's a lot, but it's it's worth it for sure. Texture says Jared McCain three plus three pointers tonight is plus one ten. If we aren't going to compete, we may as well make some money tonight. 
So I'm hesitant. We haven't talked a lot about the Duke game yet. But I am hesitant to give up prop bets for this game because the last time we did it, we Duke, any player three-pointer seems like it should be a lock. They are the 12th best three-point shooting team in, in all of college basketball. They shoot at a 38.2% clip uh, as a team. They've made 10 or more three-pointers in each of their last four games. We defend the perimeter. This is not a scientific stat, but I believe we defend the perimeter worse than any basketball team at any level in the history of the sport, going back to the Naismith years. Grade school C teams are better at defending the three than we are. So you would think like Jared McCain, Kyle Filipowski, or whoever, but the last time I did this, I was like, Filipowski, one and a half is the over-under, hammer the over. We're going to let him shoot a bunch. And he just had a terrible shooting game against us. And I don't think, I think McCain's over-under was two and a half, and he only hit two. And then Tyrese Proctor made up for it because I think he hit six threes against us. So I don't know who it's going to be. Someone's going to go off from beyond the arc against us tonight. But I, I'm hesitant to, to point out who it's going to be because the one guy that I was like, yeah, he'd be third on my list if I'm betting this was the one guy who just completely lit us up last game. But we, we'll we let them shoot it for sure. It, it, you know, Filipowski didn't go one of seven because we guarded him well from three. He just missed a bunch of wide open shots. Same with McCain. Like, yeah, I think McCain hit the two tonight. I don't know if, you know, I think. A lot of those guys are going to be expected to hit at least two because they're going to get the volume. They're going to get three or four or five attempts. Someone's going to go off, for sure. Jeremy Roach, another candidate, will let him. Whoever wants to shoot threes against this tonight is going to be allowed to shoot threes. It's just a matter of who's going to make them. Texas says, Mike, have you gotten used to being recognized in public yet? It doesn't happen all that often, so it's fine. It happened more often like a few years ago. Not as much anymore, which is fine. But when it happens, it's fun. I appreciate it. Texas, the fan mail uh, was probably from the lady on the plane who thought your show sucked because you told her it did. <laughs> that would have been funny. Texas, not only does the program need to move on, we need to get rid of the old throwback uniforms every day as well. We need a total makeover. I, I think one of the tragedies of the last two years, is our, I, I think our uniforms have been awesome the last couple of years. I think these are some of the best uniforms we've had. And now I feel like there's a, a, a bad taste attached to them because they we've lost so much of them like i love the throwbacks I, I love emphasizing the duncan cardinal bird i think these should be our uniforms all the time but i, I feel like when i see them now i get kind of repulsed because i just think kenny Payne basketball and i don't like it I, I will say this though and this has been a long running thing with me is the worse the uniforms are the better we've always played like people People paint the infrareds. They remember them kind of romantically now because we made the run to the – we won the Big East tournament, then we went to the, the 2012 Final Four. People hated the infrareds when they, when Adidas first released them in early March that year. They were like, are we Syracuse? This is terrible. People were posting the old Seinfeld joke with the, the Kenny Rogers Rotisserie Cafe where Kramer's getting blinded by the, the infrared light. Like People hated those uniforms, and then we wanted them, so everyone loved them. Same thing a year later – like. Adidas gave us camo-sleeved jerseys. But we won a national title and another Big East championship in them, so we love them. The, the, I think the issue with the next couple of tournament runs is they gave us uniforms that were too normal. If they had given us trash bags to play in, we beat Kentucky in 2014. We go to the Final Four in 2015. Like, we, we play the best in the worst uniforms. Bring back some, uh, I don't know, like the ass rainbow that they had, in like didn't we win in the that not in them or yeah in them the camo sleeve camo or, sleeve jerseys those were awful they were terrible we won a national title and it, it, it's like the UK denim from '96 like the UK fans pretend like they like the UK the, the denim you didn't like the uniforms you loved the team that's what it is 
the team makes the uniforms. So I've loved our uniforms the last couple of years, aesthetically, but I feel like I can't love them because we, we were so bad in them. Texture says, have you all seen or heard anything about the UK football brawl? It was this past season, Flax and another dude. Have you seen this video, Roman? I have not. So there's a video that's been going around, making the rounds today, and it's two, I mean, they're big boys, so I'm assuming they're they're UK offensive linemen. It's very clearly in the UK locker room that you can see the UK stuff everywhere. And I guess it's post-practice maybe because they're, they're wearing their pants, but they're, you know, it's just very, but they're, they're fist fighting. It's a full-out uh, fight. And one player gets hit in the face and kind of stumbles a little bit and then regains his balance and just suplexes the other guy down. And nobody in the locker room is trying to break it up. One guy's filming it. They're all kind of like yelling and egging him on. And then when the suplex happens, I think a couple of guys finally step in. And one of them says, chill flax, chill flax, which led everyone to to believe that the, I guess one of the guys was Jeremy Flax, who was a, a pretty good offensive lineman for them last year. He'd be, previously been a Juco transfer. Nobody knows, seems to know who the other guy is. But yeah, it's it, it's a it's a rough look for UK. But not, I mean, I know locker room fights happen, but still, the fact that uh, people are videoing it and, and not breaking it up is... It's not a good look. No, it's it's that uh, they're already in midseason culture. It's classic uh, seven and six, six and six type culture. Congrats. <laughs> Texture says uh, nothing has happened. We still suck. Let's believe uh, that there are cameras now. Oh no, nothing has happened. We still suck. Let's talk about your vacation. <laughs> we already did. Uh, Texas, I appreciate your review on Disney. I will never go now. You should go to Disney. I, I, I highly recommend it. It's it's expensive. I think it's worth it. For sure. Texas, I'm not even sure. I believe there are cameras now. They're coming. They're coming. Get ready for it. Texas, please talk about that trash Bozich article. I think we did kind of kind of reference it. it it's it was bad. I mean, I, I hate saying I don't do media wars. I don't do like media battles anymore. I don't like calling people out. I do think it's it's ironic to me when I first started doing blog stuff, which was a bad word back then. It was very much a stigmatized word. And like, this is what, when did I start? God, like 2005, 2006. People like Rick Bozich were very adamant about the dangers of quote unquote fan media and new media being bad and blogs being bad and it being a slap in the face of, of Big J journalism. In all the years that I've been doing this, I like to think that I've, I've been as diplomatic as I, as I can be, that, that I've been as objective as I can be. I, I'm coming to you admittedly from the viewpoint of a Louisville fan, and I feel like you can still be objective. I, I think the, Everyone thinks that you can't write about your, your own team from a purely objective standpoint. I think you can. I think the, the only difference between me and somebody who's writing the game from a truly objective standpoint is they're saying, you know, Louisville lost by this score. They lost because of A, B, and C, and then that's it. I'm saying Louisville lost by this score. They lost because of A, B, and C, and then I'm adding in, it pissed me off, or it made me really upset, or it made me sad. Like, I, I'm, I'm admitting my emotions that are attached to this. And then I'm also was doing, you know, some, some funny, quirky stuff that people weren't really touching on back then. But... Bozich kind of turned up his nose at, at me and people like me, and I've never really interacted with Rick, but I have heard 
I don't know if it's true or not, but I've heard from multiple people that he was not the biggest fan of mine and maybe still isn't. That's okay. You don't have to be. But in all these years that, that, that new media has kind of just become media, I've never seen anybody ride as hard for, for any sports figure as Rick Bozich has been riding for Kenny Payne the last couple of years. Like, the things that he has done, like, and it's so obviously done with a slant. Every time that he writes about Payne or every time that he's being fed some information by Payne. I mean, UFL, yeah, there are people there that have tried to feed information to me. We had, I think Sean Moth was on the show a couple of years ago where he was like, because I was talking about how, like, I've never ran with anything that people tried to get me to write. And Sean Moth was like, we tried a bunch. I was like, I, I know you did. Like, a lot of people did. And and if I thought it was legitimate, I would, would go with it. But if it was just something that was just pure propaganda, I wasn't going to just say it just for the sake of UFL wants me to say it. And, like, Bose is the one guy that Payne and company have been feeding stuff to. And it, it's so obvious. And the latest story is just, like, I, I think we keep waiting for, for Bozich to be like, Okay, this isn't working. I get it. Let's move on. And instead, he he just he, he doubles down. He deleted all the tweets that he had when he was asking for predictions about the season and kind of making fun of people who thought the season was going to be bad. You know, everybody who was like, "I think they're going to win ten games this year." He was like, "Noted, taking account of it." And he went back and deleted all those tweets. Um, but he wrote the column about two recruits being out there who really like Kenny Payne and who are very interested in what's going to happen with him and sort of implied, you know, if you fire Kenny Payne, you're not going to get these two five-star recruits who have the potential to turn the program around. And one, I, I, I don't think there's any way that we're going to get Carter Knox. I don't. He's going to Kentucky or he's going to overtime elite is what everyone has always said. There's nothing that's happened, I think, in the last few months that has let anybody who's, again, viewing this with an objective lens to believe otherwise. Two, even if you get these kids, isn't this the way that Kenny Payne was saying just a couple months ago that you can't win? We've been talking about how young we are and you don't win with freshmen anymore and Kenny Payne finally... Said a couple of months ago, I've got to go to the transfer portal, which we're like, dude, we've been telling you this for two years. Yeah, of course you have to go to the transfer portal. Two freshmen aren't going to come in and just immediately inject life into a program. Even if they're really good. And it's not like these two are are, are, are guys that are projected, projected currently to be like top five picks in the NBA draft. They're really good players. But they alone are not going to be able to take a, a team from eight wins to a team to to a team that wins twenty games, and we know this. And, and to act like it's otherwise, like like, is just so disingenuous, and it just reeks of a, I'm all out of other ideas. Let's throw a home run, let's throw a hail mary, let's close our eyes and swing as hard as we can, and maybe we'll hit a home run here. There's just there's there's nowhere left for him to pivot, and. I'm ready for it finally to be. I, I'm ready for this to stop. Like I think he deleted the link to the tweet to, to, to the story. It looks like, um, which I'm now seeing. But it, it's just it, it's a, it's a trash take. It, it is. There's there's no way around. There's no defending this. And, and the fact that he he keeps trying, I think, is beyond desperate. 
Texture says, remember when we had the conversation about is KP going to make it weird and people legit thought he was going to get a third year? That was cute. Look, hand up. Like I, I thought when, when we started playing better a few weeks ago, I thought it was going to get to a point where we were going to win 12, 13, 14 games. And that was not nearly enough for me. Like I, I've been checked out for a long time now, and I've been of the belief that, I mean, I don't think he should have got a second year. I think we definitely shouldn't get a third year. But I, I thought that it would get to a point where the people who wanted to argue in favor of a third year would have the, the ammo that they felt necessary to make that argument. And I don't even think now, I don't know if it was the injuries derailed it. You know, we played well against Florida State. We maybe should have won the game on the road against Syracuse. We played well against Georgia Tech, beat them by 12. And then, you know, you're you're up eight at halftime against Boston College on the road. Like, I'm sitting there thinking, like, we, you know, this, we could win 13, 14 games here. And you could point to the fact that, hey, look how much better they got as the year went on. We lost to a bunch of games in January, but those were against the best teams in the conference. Like, we're making progress. And now I don't even think we're going to get that because this team has looked terrible for the last six halves of basketball that's played. They're not going to be Duke tonight on the road. They're, they're not. They have three home games against whatever teams in, in Syracuse, Virginia Tech, and Boston College who are all better than you but still not good enough to be in the NCAA tournament. They might be able to win one of those. Best case scenario, they win two of those. The best case scenario is we split these last four games and we go two and two. You're 10 and 21 and 5 and 15. You're still the 14 of the 15 seed in the conference tournament. You're Maybe you can win a game there. The best case scenario is you're an 11 win basketball team that still has the second most losses in the history of the program. That shouldn't make anything weird. It shouldn't make anything awkward. This is clear cut. There's no, there's no need for a deep dive. There's no need for comparing other programs. Like it's the two worst seasons in the history of the program. And they've come under one head coach who's only been a head coach for two years. Cut and dry. Move on. No third year. It cannot happen. <clears throat> Texture says there's no way they will keep him, right? I don't think so. I really don't. I, I, I really don't. Texter says, welcome back, Mike. Chris the Plumber. Thank you, Chris. Appreciate it. <laughs> Texter says, um, hmm. Texter says, I'm so intrigued by how the text system works in the studio. You read text reacting to stuff that was talked about after I sent a text. It a it a complaint at all. I'm legitimately curious. Um, I, the, the, the text the way that it works is if you send multiple texts to the text line and I haven't read your first text, like you go kind of back to the top of the list. Like I, I try to work from the bottom up when when the text line. So the text texts typically start coming in like right before the show starts, two fifty five or three. And so I work my way up throughout the course of the show starting in the second hour. But if you send multiple texts and I haven't read your first one yet, like you go back to the top of the line. So I don't I don't see your prior text. That's why sometimes I miss some of like your early like like I'm seeing your earlier text now that I missed, which says uh, it was the the fact that it was Kentucky talk. It was patronizing tone and trying to bait arguments and TJ's awful politics. That's <laughs> that's the, they were it, trying to bait me, weren't they? Was that what was happening? A little bit. I feel like they were trying to get me to get me to say something that they could argue. They are masturbators. That's what people have said about uh, <laughs> about TJ and Roush. Uh, they yeah, it's I, I I'm sorry. They, they filled in. I appreciate them. I, all I can do is oh, thank them. It was them. fun. It was fun. I, had, I, I enjoyed, uh, well, I'm not going to enjoy say I enjoyed how much Kentucky talked, but I enjoyed working with them. Well, that's the thing. Like We, we are a, 
a, a radio station that like, Monday through Friday, I'm the only all U of L show. We've got Rashawn uh, and, and you on the weekends, but like when we give Rashawn a day, and he's got a full time job, he can't come in here and fill in with like whenever I'm off. So when we give Rashawn a day, like that's the only other like U of L full time personality that we have. So you know, Dennison is IU. Spears is doing Sanex stuff in UK. And now Bellerman stuff. He's doing the play-by-play for Bellerman. Uh, and then all you've got is is Roush and TJ. So and Scoots is, is IU, but he's kind of, he's you know, he covers UofL. When he does a show with me and does UK stuff with them. So we have a limited number of options that we can have if we want to have in-house hosts. So Well, you got me now. Yeah, we got we, big UK. Big UofL guy. We here, got Roman now. We got, you, we, I'll be uh, always ready to talk down on UK when I can. Logically, I, though. Of that's what I want to hear. That, that, that's what I like. I was I didn't catch the the end of last night's game and I I saw the highlights. I mean they were the little that I was watching before getting the kids down. Like they were looking pretty bad. It was a classic UK like oh we we scored 165 points against Alabama and now we're going to turn around and look like crap against this Mississippi State team. And then when I get done putting John down, I come out and they've made this furious comeback and they're up I think 84 to 81 and I'm checking the score and I'm like oh they're up 3 with like 20 seconds left. And then my entire timeline is just like, oh my god, UK is blowing it again. Like they look like absolute ridiculous. And then it's just all reach up and reach up. They were up four, I believe, with like forty-seven seconds left or something like that. Which I, I do think is like, I'm always amazed at. I guess I gave this spiel before the start of the season. Like UK fans that are so upset about everything, how quickly they turn around. Like there's never any in between. Like they think they're either like this team is so great, I love this team, like we can beat anybody, or when they play like they did against LSU. Um, and at, at times last night against Mississippi State, it's like we're we're awful. Like Cal's going to get bounced the first round again or second round again. This team can't win a national title. He's got to go. Like there's just never any in between. And and last night it does seem like Reed Shepard playing a crazy game and making a crazy shot has made them forget that like they kind of like I, I would be very nervous with the way that they're not closing games this entire season. And last night wouldn't change that. Like they should have put that one away pretty easily. And Mississippi State is not a good offensive team. Um so I yeah, I don't Again, props to them, but they have they have shot above their season averages during this last couple of weeks span. Like do I think they could beat anybody in the field almost? But they do check a lot of the boxes for a team that gets beat early in in the tournament. Like, That's what I was saying yesterday. It's true. Like and I'm not saying it will happen. Like it comes down to draws and matchups, but like they do strike me as a team that they could be a, a like a four seed that beats a 13 by 30 in the first round, and then turns right around and loses to a a team a that five. can offensively offensively rebound well. They can. It'll be that simple. You know, a team comes in, gets a few offensive rebounds, gets a few and ones from those, and Kentucky's in shambles. Or just plays a normal offensive game against a bad defensive Kentucky team, That's and true. UK shoots to their yeah. their their season percentage and gets every defensive rebound. You know, make sure they don't. Leave shooters open, and then really, it's hard. It's Kentucky's not a hard team to guard when it, when when you really, you know, shrink the floor and, and play good basketball. It's all about the matchups. All about the matchups. We gotta go to break. We we'll come back. Five o'clock hour is up next. We'll talk more uh, from you the text line, more college basketball stuff, and get you ready for tonight's game against Duke. It's the Mike Rutherford Show here on the Big X. been a long time since I've had the 5 o'clock hour here on the Mike Rutherford Show. A week exactly 
Since the last time we're doing the show, happy to be back here after a, a nice little trip to Disney World with the fam. Happy to be back here talking Cardinal Athletics on a game day edition of the Mike Rutherford Show here on 1450 and 96.1 The Big X. Louisville getting ready to go into Cameron Indoor Stadium and take on the Duke Blue Devils. 7 o'clock is the tip-off. I don't know how I, – I, I, I think I mentioned this before the game last week. Poor Anish Shroff has done, I, I feel like, 75% of Louisville's games this year. I don't know if this is sort of punishment – for something that he did, uh, but he's on the call tonight for the ACC Network along with Wake Forest legend Randolph Childress. Uh, the game will also be heard on our sister station, 970 WGTK on the radio, the standard Paul Rogers, Jody Demling crew there. Cards 20.5-point underdogs in Durham. They um, historically have been okay in road games against Duke. They've been pretty good, actually, against Duke overall before this this current four-game losing streak. They had won three straight over the Blue Devils, before uh, before losing four in a row, included in those three straight were wins on the road in both 2020 and in 2021. But tonight, looking like probably going to be more of the same as the cards. You know, not a whole lot to play for. Duke, a lot to play for as they're looking to be a top two seed in the NCAA tournament and chase down a conference championship. A, a quadrant four loss to Louisville on their home floor would be a huge blow to both those endeavors. I expect to see a, a motivated Duke team coming out tonight, and, and we'll see what Louisville looks like. But uh, it's it's tough to envision this one going well for the good guys. We'll see how it goes, though. The one thing, Roman, that I, I will say I was very happy to avoid outside of just more gloom and doom in the UofL basketball talk last week was the, the, the court-storming debate that we have to have every single year now that I guess would have happened on Monday's show after Duke's loss to Wake Forest over the weekend where Kyle Filipowski – got hit by a couple of fans, had an ankle injury. We found today he is going to play. But did you guys have to touch on court storming at the beginning of this week on the, on the show? Yeah, we did. Rashawn uh, didn't like my opinion. Um, TJ covered it a little bit yesterday as well. I, yeah, they, they, they talked about it a little bit. What do you think? Well, I want to hear your opinion first. I think get rid of it. Stop okay. storming the courts. Grow up. You didn't accomplish anything more times than not. Like, even if it's, like, first time beating a number one seed, first time this, I don't care. It's not a championship. It's not a conference title. Grow up. I am typically pro-court storming. I think it's fun. Uh, I, I think it's one of those things that you like in college basketball. I, I do – this is what I hate talking about. Because I, I understand the, 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 the contrary argument. It's, it's a silly thing. It puts the other players in danger. You know, we have something like this that seems to happen once a year. We, we have the Caitlin Clark thing. With Iowa early this season at Ohio State, you know, sometimes you have fans that get hurt. I get it. I just don't know what the logical response is. I I, I feel like you know we you get like 150 court storms a season. Yeah, there's too, it's been going on for way too many years, and there's too many going on every year for like a I think to to design a way to do anything different. Some programs do a good job. Like I think there were a couple games this year where they, they they rope off the players, like security guards are ready. Wake Forest was not ready for this at all. Like their security guards were like were like like you know kind of like hobbling onto the floor after it was already three quarters of the way filled. And I, to your point, like Wake Forest was favored in this game. It seems a little bit silly to to storm the floor after winning a game that you were favored in, but it was a cathartic moment for them. I feel like you know, they've been down for the last few years. This is a good team that needs to make the NCAA tournament. They needed a quality victory. They got it over a hated semi-rival. So I, I, I get the the response to a degree. I just I hate that something happened here. Now Kyle Filipowski, I do think, I think played it up a little bit. I think he could have avoided that. He, I mean, I also like when the when it, when it happened. 
I would have bet you every penny I own, which is not much after the Disney trip, that he was going to play against Louisville. Oh, yeah. It just, oh, yeah. It, it, it just seemed like it was, you know, Shire. Like, they were pissed off that they lost to Wake Forest. They were pissed off that that happened. And then it just it was a way to divert all their negative energy into this one thing. And I was like, the, the kid's going to play. He's going to be fine. You know, that they're, they're – Parents are yelling at their fans, and Shire's going off in the post-game press conference. I was like, okay, he's going to be okay. Filipowski also, I don't have a whole lot of love for him. If you go back, I'll post a clip of maybe on, on Twitter. Like He made a really dirty play against Bellarmine last year where he just stepped under Bash Whelan and very clearly tried to get him hurt. I think he's kind of a dirty player overall. I'm not saying I, I want to see him get hurt or anything. I'm just saying like you know, I think he plays up when he gets injured a little bit or gets a, a little bit of a cheap shot against him and – does a lot of dirty stuff himself. He's not a player that I particularly care for, um, but he's again not saying that I, I want to see him hurt. But I, I just him being at the center of this, I was like, he's going to be fine. Like he'll, he'll be okay. But I I do hate that we have to have this conversation every single year. If they got rid of court storming, there's a part of me that would hate it just because it does seem like it's so entrenched in college basketball culture. But I also would understand. Like, but some of the, the some of these suggestions that are out there every single year are are, are just so absurd. You know, like uh, fine the schools two million dollars every time they do it. Um, I think it'd be cool if only the game if only away teams like you can only storm the court if you're an away fan at the away like at the, at the yeah game. sure that'd be cool. Why not? I, I mean, you know, let's create like a moat between the, the players and. <laughs> I just think the there's court. so little to accomplish. Like, you're, 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 the chance of someone getting hurt versus what you'll gain, uh, an experience, like, that you're, you're going to put on your phone. Like, if you took away the players first, like, say you allowed it and you didn't change anything other than the point that no no non-player personnel, team personnel can be on the court and to, like can can be on the court when the, stor- the storming comes, then it wouldn't even be as important. They wouldn't even do it, right? The only reason it's fun is because you're getting to what, quote, celebrate with the players that are still out there on the court when it happens right yeah take the players off the court it loses its importance you know so i get it i mean i i understand i i wish that we could just do this without injury or or fans acting silly sometimes like you had the what the, the arkansas fans squaring up with a uk player a few years ago too which could have gotten really ugly um it's uh, i get it if we if we have to get rid of it we have to get rid of it but i would hate to see it um i also just saw richard lewis died who's uh from Curb your enthusiasm, among other things. Uh, very sad news. Virgil from WWE died today as well, which was was sad. Are you, I don't even know this about you, Roman. Are you at all a, a wrestling guy? WWE. That's it. That's an interesting thing. Like I really back in the day, you know, middle school, uh, late elementary school, early middle school. I feel like I was still pretty invested. One thing I never had growing up though was like regular cable. Okay. So I couldn't. There was no Monday Night Raw or Friday Night SmackDown for me. Unless I was at a buddy's house, which, you know, those are two nights, Friday night occasionally, but, you know, there was never Monday Night Raw. I never got to see John Cena live, it felt mm. like. So I was the same way as you growing up. Obviously, different eras. Like, I was very into it as, like, a kid. And, like, I think when when I was going from, like, middle school to high school was the attitude era with Stone Cold, Steve Austin, and The Rock. And, like, everybody I knew was into it. Besides that, like, I'm, I don't follow wrestling at all anymore. But I asked because I feel like every radio show I've ever done has been with somebody who's very into wrestling. And so all this stuff comes up. But Virgil, when I was like a little kid, like the 90s, was the, the, with the bodyguard of Ted DiBiase, the Million Dollar Man. Yeah, I remember and that. In recent years, he's been kind of become more of like a, a joke. He's, he posts a lot of uh, troll stuff on the internet. 
but unfortunately, he passed away today. It was very sad. That's sad. That's yeah. really sad. It's too sad. Uh, Thornton's text, and I will get to you guys in just a second at 502-414-1450. Speaking of big announcements, we talked about not wanting to talk politics, but this is sort of a transcends politics because it's somebody local and it's somebody who's uh, who's been in the spotlight for such a long time. But Kentucky Senator Mitch McConnell announcing that he's going to, at the end of uh, this year, I guess, step down as a, a Senate, as the Republican leader of the Senate, uh, will not be the Senate minority leader anymore, is not resigning from Congress, however, but that was, a, it was, it was, it was news that I feel like <laughs> both sides of the aisle kind of celebrated, like Democrats have not been big fans of Mitch McConnell for obvious reasons for a long time, and then in, in recent years, the, the, the wing of the Republican Party that supports Donald Trump, which is ever-growing. Uh, has not been a fan of Mitch McConnell uh, as well. So it was kind of like everyone kind of cheered the news together a little bit. Mitch McConnell finally unifying the country to a degree. There you go. Uh, but regardless of politics, he has been a big supporter of the University of Louisville. So there's that. Uh, but that was big news nationally. It's been a, it's been a, a, a day full of big news. Um, right when I get home from, from, from a little vacation. Lots of big news out there. I also was very terrified that I was going to wake up to uh, our first day back like a gigantic storm. I was thankful that those the, the 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 terrible storms that were supposed to come through last night really never formed and, and really never not much happened. That was nice. Did you hear did you even hear the storms last night, Roman? I did not hear them, no. I could feel them. Like around eight or nine o'clock I was in Fern Creek letting uh letting my girlfriend's family's dogs out while they were up in Vincent's Look at you. for her younger brother's baseball game. Um and like you could tell. You could just feel it. The wind was weird temperature was weird the dogs were even seeming like that they were sensing the same thing um but i i'm a i'm a very heavy sleeper once i get into that uh deep sleep and i don't it's hard to wake me up well actually it's not you could turn my light on and i'll wake up but a storm won't you know i, I didn't realize this was, this was like a thing because you know we, we get home yesterday morning yeah, it was tornadoes supposedly are supposed yeah. to be and, and like all i knew all i'd heard from my friends was that like, yesterday the, the, the day before two days i guess it's monday it was so unseasonably warm. It was like 71. I think we set a new high for, for that specific date in the history of Louisville. And so I'm thinking like, okay, cool. Like, you know, we went – like the weather in Disney, outside of it raining the first night that we were at the Magic Kingdom, was perfect. Like that's why you go to Disney World in, in February and not the middle of the summer because it's – with the sun beating down on you, it's a little bit warm, but it was mostly like mid-70s the entire week. The pool that my daughter demanded swimming in was freezing. That sucked. That was terrible. But for the actual like walking around and doing 25,000 steps at the parks – it felt great. I did manage to still somehow get burned on the day that it rained. My beautiful alabaster skin just got torched uh, in the one area where I didn't put any sunscreen on. But then I come home, and all I'm hearing yesterday morning from friends is we're supposed to get these terrible storms. I'm seeing like the, the mayor's putting down a statement about staying safe. and So I'm setting my phone up to wake up at 3 to make sure that like we're not getting tornado warnings. I'm setting it to, to wake up at like 6. So if we have to take the family down to the basement. And thankfully, it was just uh, it was some heavy wind and a little bit of rain, but nothing Nothing too terrible. Everything, the city's still standing. We're still good to go. Uh, let's talk before, again, before we get to the text line, let's talk a little bit broadly about this Duke game tonight. Uh, as mentioned, the cards, 20 and a half point underdogs here. One second, one second, Mike. Before okay. we go into this, okay, I want to know, you know, because I think a lot of Louisville fans and just a lot of people who have been into college basketball have one of these guys. Since you've been a hardcore college basketball fan, okay, who is your least favorite Duke player to name? Oh today. man, That's name a today. Great question. Uh, I mean, 
I didn't. I feel like I didn't hate J.J. Reddick as much as everybody else did. See, this Reddick's right, right before I started really, really, truly paying attention. We were in. He's a little bit older than I am, but he, like, he's like, due to like shoot a bunch of threes. That was, you know, that, that that's my guy. That's, that's how I wanted to play growing up. So I feel like I didn't. He was annoying to a degree, but I didn't like despise him. I would. I mean, I. It's such an obvious answer. It's such a generic answer. But he also had st- like incidents directly with Louisville. Grayson Allen is just a, a such. I mean, he has he has like the most punchable face in the entire world. Like just such a punchable face. I didn't like Allen. I did not like Grayson Allen. I mean, he like his very first trip was of Ray Spalding, and then he got into it with Donovan Mitchell the year before. They had he, like Donovan slapped him in the face. That was good. Um, Grayson would probably be number one. I really didn't like you know now. I've got a few. I didn't like John Shire honestly when he played. Okay. Uh, was not a big fan. Uh, I, will I didn't say, like Mason Plumley. I didn't like any of the Plumleys. I don't like any of the Plumleys, but you know that was a Duke team that I you know started you know paying more attention than knew more so of those those Duke teams forward on. Did not like Mason Plumley. Uh, I didn't care for Nolan Smith, and now he's an assistant here. I was not. I, I didn't fault him for not picking Louisville, but you know, I wasn't going to like overly root for him. Just if I'm being honest, I also one of my better friends dated John Shire's uh, little sister. Which wow. is yeah, kind of fun. He got to this was like a year after we graduated from college, so Shire was on the team, and so he went to like he traveled with the team, got to sit behind, sit behind the bench for a couple of games, and he was like the things that came out of Coach K's mouth were just he's like he's like because he, my buddy played basketball at, at Wittenberg, he yeah, he was like a, I've had hard coaches my whole life, I've never heard coach use like the the amount of expletives and in the ways that he used them, uh, like I heard. Mike Krzyzewski do. I mean, if 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 Coach K is on the list too, I, I was not a Coach K fan. I, I was not a Coach K fan. I can hate him until I started really paying, like you know, understanding what he meant to basketball. Now I respect him. I, I'm a very you know big respecter of him, but I'm not the biggest respecter of him. I'll be he, honest. He he's you know he knows the ball. He knows the game. Oh, for, for sure. Doesn't mean I have to respect him. That's true. Not a biggest. Fan. He's never done anything respectable, really. Uh, Lee Malchione, I wasn't a big big fan of in college. That's probably before your yeah, time. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I've heard that name. <laughs> he was a he was a weird, lanky, googly, like 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 left handed big white guy who just was just kind of goofy and no real reason. I I liked Shane Battier when he played there. I was kind of a fan. Okay. Um, I was a Jalil Okafor non-believer. I knew you're Jaleel, right. Jalil Okafor didn't have enough to his game <laughs> when he got to the NBA. Was it? I, I mean, I feel like as a Louisville fan, we have to say. I think I think it was Danny Ferry who threw the ball at uh, uh, Jeff Hall at the end of the nineteen eighty six national championship game. Like chucked the ball. Or, I've or, heard of it. I've heard about that. Or gave him the shoulder and then Hall threw the ball. At yeah, him. So I that, need to look that. I need to look that up. Yeah, it's, it's the very end that. of the game. Actually, I posted the full video of the game on the the website preview today. And if you go to the very end of the game, the camera cuts like Hall's like kind of dribbling towards a layup, and Ferry just like gives him like a a big shoulder. And Hall turns around and just chucks the ball at him right as the camera's like cutting to the coaches to celebrate, <laughs> which is great. So I feel like Danny Ferry's got to be on the list. Need that's, some of that today. That, that's done. But yeah, a lot of lot of hateable Duke players. I do feel like it's the generic thing to do, though, just like to hate on the best white player at Duke over the years because they are just kind of, you know, slapping the floor. You know, they, they get so much praise that it yeah. feels like they don't deserve. I feel like UNC had that going on for a while, too. Did they? I mean, what's his name? Hansborough? Hansborough, yeah. Besides him, though. The Zellers, too, though. Yeah. Weren't they there? Well, one of them was was there. The other one was in Indiana. Okay, that's right. The Indiana kid, I didn't, I didn't mind, but the one that went to Duke, I think it's the older one. It's just something about Duke and Carolina. They're they're easy to hate. 
but they are. I mean, it's a it's a program. I still say Kentucky fans say this every time that I, I, I make mention of it. Like I think that like they still are the brand in college basketball. When, oh, yeah. when you're when you're making a generic reference to college basketball, like Duke is the team that you just go for. There and when you see like your team playing against that logo, that jersey, it means something a little bit more, regardless of what type of season they're having. Like they are, they steer the ship. They they're almost always in the highest rated regular season games when it comes to TV ratings. Like they draw the eyeballs, they draw the page views, they draw the whether you're talking about how much how good they are or how bad they are. People want to read about it. People want to hate Duke. Um, they are the Alabama of college basketball, whether that's fair or not. I used to be so jealous of that fact, too. Like, not not necessarily jealous, but once Louisville kind of shifted pretty much post-Patino and Duke was still, they're getting top recruits, you know, like top, top 100, top 200 guys, and then those guys are staying a couple years. Yeah. And then, you know, every year they get another one. They add one to, like, they add a freshman to a group of sophomores and juniors who are already know how, like, are already NBA bound. And then, you know, that freshman and the other two guys all go to the NBA. And then the next freshman who stayed and that sophomore, like, they had these great players who, you know, they were obviously taking the route of building them up, which is what Patino used to do. I remember watching Donovan Mitchell play his freshman year and being excited for next year, knowing he's going to get more minutes, right. knowing these guys are going to leave and he's going to replace them. Oh, well, if he adds a little bit of ball handling ability, he's going to be scary and this and that. And then he did, and he could shoot a little bit better, right? And Duke's had that with higher-level higher, like, higher level names and more at one time and having those guys stay. And, you know, it was just – I always used to be like, God, I wish Louisville could be a little bit more like that post-Patino. Yeah, they were the last major program – to, to not have this just gigantic onslaught of players leaving early. They, they were kind of the last holdouts where in, in the era where if you were at all good after your sophomore or junior year, you definitely were leaving. Duke was still getting guys to stay there and play four years. I think it was it was it was Corey Maggette, William Avery, and Elton Brand were the first players to, to ever leave Duke early. Like it just it didn't happen. And that that was the that was the team that lost to UConn in the ninety nine championship game. But like back in the, in that time like you know, Shane Battier was National Player of the Year, and, and still, like, he was never think. You knew he was going to be there for four years. Like, everybody was going to be there for four years. And even when it became kind of a trend more in the 2000s with Duke, guys were typically still staying at least two or three seasons. Like, yeah, you, especially you, guards. You, yeah, you didn't have you know, one and dones. You, granted, they kept like they had this thing for getting these perfect point guard. Like they 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 get the perfect college point guard. I feel like sure. Duke is just known for that. They've had a couple exceptions. You know, Kyrie Irving, an exception, but mm-hmm. they get these undersized guys that are just perfect for the college system. They're going to pass well. They're not going to turn over. They're going to shoot off the catch better, probably best on the team, and then be the pure point guard at the same time, like the Quinn Cooks, the Tyus Jones, you know, those kind of guys. They've just always kind of had those. For sure. And it's what they've, you know, it works when you're able to keep those guys in your program for four seasons, which is what Coach Hay did so well. So well. And then you saw him kind of pivot towards the end there when he realized, like, this isn't sustainable. When When he was having guys that were, just okay players after two years still choosing to, to go pro. You know, like Wendell Carter's leaving early and all these guys. Like, like he's – he leaned into it. He was like, all right, if, if we're going to lose these guys anyway, let's just go out and get the best ones. And he goes out there and gets that monstrous recruiting class in, in 2018 um, and brings in, I think, the, in some of the scouting services rankings, the top three players in that class um, – and had more one and done guys towards the end, and it worked out. Like, like he was able to win that way. Didn't win a national title after 2015, but still was able to field some monster teams. But you're right, for the most part, it's a program built off of really good college players. I think that adds their hateability too. Is you can't. It's hard to hate true freshmen just because you don't. 
Yeah, like yeah you, they you don't have a rapport with them. There's not a reason to yet. You don't know them. Like when guys have been torching you for three or four years, like you start to really develop a disdain for them. And like Duke still has a little bit of that. They still have more, I think, continuity than most programs. Case in point, they were the only power conference program to not lose a player to the transfer portal last year. Like guys, a couple players did go pro, but Filipowski came back. Uh, a couple other guys came back. They bring in another loaded class. Yeah. Like they, they, like you know these guys a little bit more than you do with most big time programs. Um, but they are. They're not as good as we thought they were going to be coming into the season. I still put them on my list of eight teams that I think can win the national title, and I still stand by that because I think they check most of the boxes that you need to be that type of team. They're still number eight on Ken Palm. They're number 11 in the net rankings. They have a point guard who's a seasoned veteran in Jeremy Roach who's led them to the Final Four a couple of years ago. Filipowski is a – I may not like him – He's a bona fide college star. Like, like he's that type of guy. Like, I don't think he's going to be a great pro, but he is a terrific, terrific college player. Mark Mitchell's a very good college player as well. Uh, the, the 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 freshman and sophomore contingent: McCain, Foster, uh, Tyrese Proctor. Like any one of those guys can go off on any given night, and I think you'll see that when they get to the postseason play. Like somebody, somebody outside of that big three is going to be a hero against us. Last month it was Proctor. It could definitely be McCain. Caleb Foster still has a lot of untapped potential. Like they are a very yeah, talented deep. team. They're deep too. They are, and I think Shire, like they're really good at combating teams that switch everything in man-to-man defense. There was a good thing on, on Hoop Vision by Jordan Sperber breaking down the way that Duke attacks teams that switch uh, on defense for every screen. They do a lot of the same stuff that BYU does, which is why they're so good on offense. Like they've got, they've they've got a lot of pieces that you can really build around, and they play. They're not the most athletic team, but they play good team defense. I do think their undoing in the tournament, if they get the wrong matchup, will be just a team that has just just better athletes than they are. Because Filipowski is seven foot tall. He does a lot of things. He's really skilled. He's not a great athlete. Mitchell's a, a good athlete. He's not a great athlete. Their guards. I think the they beat Purdue. At, I, I think they. I'm with you there. Like a team like that, you know. It all will come down to matchups, but I think if they play, like I, I think a team. I'm trying to think of who. Like, Wake Forest gave them fits because they yeah. can spread them out and shoot a bunch of threes. Yeah. I, I think a team like Alabama would give Duke fits. BYU could give them a fit. BYU would give them fits. Carolina is a bad match with them. We'll see how they play in the second round uh, coming up uh, next weekend. But in the first game, like, Carolina was just better than they were from start to finish. I, I think they're, that's a rough – I think UConn's a rough matchup for them. But there are teams that I do think – I'm with you on the Purdue thing. I think that's a perfect example. Like, they could beat a team like Purdue – if it winds up being a situation where they're the two seed in Purdue's region, where they're the one seed, yeah, Houston kind of the same thing. I think they could be Houston, yeah. um, and I, and I like I like Houston a lot. I just think the Duke, there's a lot to like about them, and I think we'll see a lot of it tonight because <laughs> they're going to uh, they're going to spread us out. They're going to shoot a bunch of threes. They're the twelfth best three point shooting team in the country, shooting at a thirty eight point two percent clip as a team. Filipowski is a he's a rough matchup for us inside. For sure, even though he didn't shoot the ball well against us the first time, he had 17 points and 15 rebounds. And then when he wasn't cleaning up inside, Mark Mitchell was. He had 20 and 12 against us, and he's been playing a lot better as the season has gone on. Um, we've we've lost three straight to them. We've they're when they're winning games, they're winning by relatively high margins. They lead the ACC in scoring margin. They also lead the ACC in field goal percentage and three point field goal percentage and assists. They're They've got a good system there. They've got players that believe in the system. John Shire, I think, is starting to figure it out a little bit, and we're not. So this is a game, 
I think Duke recognizes that they have a lot to lose in, in this situation. They're playing for a top two seed in the big dance. They're playing for a conference championship. They're only one game behind North Carolina in the conference standings. Losing to a team like us at home would just be a – it would torpedo both of those things. It, it cannot happen at all. And at the same time, you want to improve your efficiency marks with with the metrics like Ken Palm that go into the net rankings, that go into the committee's uh, sheet for Selection Sunday so you can be a top two seed. So if they have the chance to really just hammer us, I think they're going to do it. And like this could be a game where if we're down 20 in the second half, John Shire may not call off the dogs. Like, like he may just say, well, let's run it up. Let, let's keep getting, let's keep scoring. Let's keep getting after them on defense. We don't want those defensive numbers to go down at all. And, and also, you want to stay sharp because after this, their schedule is pretty damn tough. They play uh, Virginia at home on Saturday. They play at NC State, which is always desperate to knock them off. And then they wrap up with the, the rivalry game against North Carolina. So, for that race, for those reasons right there, for those games okay. ahead and, and that, that idea of wanting to, you know, Stay on a positive trajectory through those games. I think that could be cause for an interesting first half tonight. I you will say so. that. You think looking ahead? You know, I think they could be looking too far ahead tonight. I think the issue with that is they're coming off of a loss to Wake Forest. That's true. That is true. They are. Having said that, they do want to bounce back. They do know the media is on them tonight as well. But that could be another reason. I don't know. Like when we played them in January, they were coming off of a at the time was like a really bad home loss to Pitt. Still not a great loss to to Pitt, and. We were kind of thinking the same thing, or I was thinking the same thing. Like, they're going to come out ready to make a statement. And we kept it relatively close with them. That first six minutes, we looked like the better team. We, yeah, I think. We, we were, you know, the, 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 the start of the second half, we made a real nice run. We did fall, fall behind a little bit at the end of the, like, the, like the, I think the third or fourth segment is when Duke started to, to put it on us a little bit. And we were down by, let's see, we were down 11 at halftime, made a nice run to start the second half. And got back into it. And, and, you know, there was a point in time where it seemed like we had a chance in the second half. We, we kept that game respectably close. 14 points is, for us, respectable. So maybe it'll be the same thing tonight where they are coming out for blood, but they still, they're overamped, or maybe they are looking ahead. I don't know. I, I just, I don't see this going at all well for us tonight. It seems, it's a bad matchup. It's a, it's a bad situation. It feels like we've kind of, checked out we are the more rested team for sure they're coming off an emotional loss to wake forest we haven't played in a week i don't even know if that's a good or a bad thing i I, roman i don't know i I don't even know what to say about this it just seems it seems bad we'll take a break when we come back we will wrap up the show read your text and then we'll make some predictions about the night ahead it's the mike rutherford show here on the big x And the land is dark And the moon is the only light we'll see No, I won't be afraid Oh, I won't be afraid Just as long as you stand Stand by me Final segment here of the Wednesday edition of the Mike Rutherford Show, 1450-961, the Big X. Once again, getting you ready for Louisville versus Duke tonight in Durham. Tip-off is about uh, an hour and a half away. It'll be on the ACC Network tonight. If you can't watch on TV, you can listen on our sister station, 970 WGTK. Your home for Cardinal Athletics, Louisville, a 20-and-a-half point. It's, I mean, sometimes you say those things out loud, and you just – I. 
I forget. I'm like, what are we even talking about here? We're t- it's it's February 28th. It's the second to last day of February. Happy leap year to everybody who celebrates. And we're sitting here talking about Louisville being a 20 and a half point under. I don't care if we're playing the Monstars. Louisville should not be a 20 and a half point underdog this late in any season. It's just totally outrageous. But here we are. And if nothing else, it gives you the opportunity to to create history. It would be the second uh, victory in the history of Louisville basketball where the Cards have won a game where they were a 20-plus point underdog. So there you go. There's that to look forward to tonight. Ken Palm gives us a 2% chance to win this game. I feel like that's maybe generous, but whatever. We've got uh, 20 minutes left for you to get your thoughts in. Only Thornton's text line. We'll run through as many texts as we can at 502-414-1450. And then we'll predict uh, some games tonight, including, of course, the Cardinals versus the Blue Devils. 502-414-1450. Texter says, I'm pretty sure this is correct. Okay, great start. In the history of Louisville basketball, we have been picked to lose by 15 or more 21 times, and 18 of those was with Kenny Payne as our head coach. I know Mark Blakenbaker threw that stat out there a few weeks ago, and uh, I think that that was I, – I know it was only three times – that we were a 20-plus a or 15-plus point underdog outside of Kenny Payne's era. I think it was three times with Denny Crum. And I know that Patino was – we were never a 15-plus point underdog under Patino. So, great work. Texas KP could win the national title this year, then save a burning bus uh, of people and bring in a top-five recruiting class, and I don't want him back next year. That's from yesterday. Oh, is that from yesterday? Yeah. Sorry. No, no worries. I disagree with the sentiment, though. If we won the national title this year, I absolutely want Kenny Payne back for a third year. I'm sorry, Friday, but yeah. <laughs> I want to, I, if, we went, if we were to somehow hashtag Mission 11 straight, win, uh, win five games in five days in the conference tournament and then six games over three weeks in the NCAA tournament, I would, I, I would be okay with Kenny Payne getting a third year. And saving kids from a burning bus would just be a nice little pl- addition. It'd be, my, it'd be a nice plus. Mine was he'd ha- bring me three All Americans for next season, guaranteed, and I'll give you another year. Even with all this going on, well, even with all this, if you can bring three top twenty players, top twenty recruits, in parentheses, also trans- get a couple transfers as well, that would be expected. But you bring three top twenty players, I- I'd give him another year just off of that. I don't think I could. I don't think you could do anything with them. I really don't. That's what a lot of people were saying. <sighs> I think it'd still be fun to watch. I think we haven't seen anything like that. We've never, you know, had that kind of excitement with with names. Um, and you know, if, surely, surely, fifteen games. I mean, fifteen games is just dumb. It's year three. We can't <laughs> it, we? We can't do that. My question that I'm thinking about, and I think I had the same question last year, is if we won, let's say we lose our last four games of the regular season, we we go into the conference tournament eight and twenty two, three and seventeen in the ACC. And then we win five games in five days to win the conference tournament. I'm not sure that we wouldn't be a 16 seed that would have to play in Dayton. Like, I, like I, I'm not sure that we may have to win seven games to win a national title because we are currently 206 in the net rankings. Uh, beating five ACC teams would obviously move us up fairly significantly, but we'd still probably be like 160 range. Like we we would still maybe be one of the the six, uh, or I guess the four lowest ranked conference tournament champions, which is. Also horribly embarrassing, but it's a it's a legitimate discussion. Texture says, wait, the cameras are actually going to get installed. Oh, man, I wish Trevor could be here to see this. We all do. Uh, but I, I think that it'll be a seminal moment for the station. We'll all be very excited, and uh, we'll go from there. What, what, or it's going to ruin the show. It's going gonna, it's gonna to tank the entire station. People are going to hate the YouTube cameras. 
and everyone's just going to to just despise it. Might have know. to put some memorabilia back there. I don't, we need to decorate the studio better. But but again, like we share it with uh, with the KRC folks, and the, there's not like we can't have anything in the backdrop. We have the little sound boards here, and there's only like the one little window. It's hard to make it look really attractive. But we may have to try to figure something out. Texture says Kenny Payne has been the coach for not even two full seasons and is responsible for 21% of programs' losses in the past 20 seasons. Good God. <laughs> That's insane. Uh, every Kenny Payne stat is, is insane. Texas, what's worse, being Indiana where everyone thinks they can come back or being Cincinnati whose legacy is almost forgotten? Uh, I mean, Indiana's legacy, first of all, is is way deeper than Cincinnati's. Uh, but Cincinnati also is kind of, they're sort of on the comeback. I'm just realizing how many, I, I didn't reload the text. I'm just realizing how many texts we have that I have not read. This is, it's, it's a lot. Yeah, there's a lot. That's, that's my fault. Ross has sent you like five. Yes, Ross, yeah, Ross, I, uh, whenever you send more, you get, keep getting bumped back to the top of the list. So I can't see it. Texas, do you think that him being a former player and the first black head coach for basketball might be playing some part of the fans wanting him to get a third year or at the minimum, not wanting him to be fired until the end of the season? I think maybe I, I think being a part of the program, absolutely. I think for some people, and I understand it, um, him being the first black head coach at a program that has been, you, you know, extremely like Louisville's success historically has been so intertwined with black players, and to not have ever had a black coach before seems wrong. Uh, I, I've thrown the stat out there a bunch of times. Everyone knows about the Texas Western team that beat UK Glory Road. They were the first uh, team with an all black starting five to make a Final Four. Louisville was the second program to ever have a, an all-black starting five to make the final four so I, I can understand some of the the desire there uh, at the end of the day winning trumps everything and, and we're just not simply winning enough for any of this to matter I mean he could be he could have been anointed a saint two years ago by the the, the Pope and winning 12 games in two seasons I think would make even the most Catholic person say we, we've got to move on Texture says the fact that he coached at UK makes it uh, not the same if Russ was our coach from years for years from now. But did the UK really? Th- I mean, Patino coached the UK. The UK thing I, wasn't my favorite thing in the entire world, but I, I don't think it wasn't. It wasn't my biggest holdup when it came to hiring Kenny Payne. It was far from it. Now, coaching under John Calipari and being a part of his coaching tree like was my biggest holdup. But like just like the the general affiliation with Kentucky. Again, I don't like it. I'm not crazy about it. I wish it hadn't happened, but. Like that wasn't. It didn't stop me from wanting Rick Pitino to come here and save the program when he was hired. Texas. Not only does the program need to move on, we need to get rid of the old throwback uniform. Oh, we've already read that one. Um, or maybe, no, it's somebody making the same point. I like the throwback uniforms. Texas. I'm a Crumb fan. I remember Henry Bacon and Jim Price. Denny has no coaching tree. What is Denny's coaching tree? Yeah. Couldn't tell you. I couldn't either. Um, I'm trying. Was there a really good? I, I mean, I can't think of any that that like left. Oh, Scotty D. Scott Davenport is a. Well, it's technically he's a. Oh yeah. He, he's a Crum and a Patino coaching tree yeah. guy. He was assistants for both those guys. So he's done pretty well. He's crazy. Um, I mean, Dana Kirk technically is a is a Denny Crum guy. Besides that, Wade Houston was not a good head coach. Um, Jerry Eve, sorry if you're listening, not a great head coach. Um, and then KP, I, I can't think, I, honestly, I can't think of anybody else either. But Scotty D has done has done very very well for himself, obviously. 
Texas, speaking of Texas, I thought I was going to see a forfeit last night for a second. Ooh, that was ugly. I was working on my laptop with that game on in the background. It was a 25-point game, and then a flagrant two happens. Uh, two, four straight technicals on Texas Tech crowd, and ESPN just showed a kid getting carried out by legitimately 15 cops, and Texas Tech's coach had to get on the PA. It was, it was, it was wild. That was ugly last night. Obviously, there's a ton of bad blood between Texas Tech and Texas dating back to the, well, there was bad blood before Chris Beard, but Texas taking their head coach really amplified things. And then Texas was just beating the absolute crap out of Texas Tech last night. And uh, there was a kind of a body check by a Texas player. Tempers flared. Tech is already down by 25, so everyone was willing to get mad. The player, yeah, has to get like rushed to the locker room when they throw him out of the game. Fans are throwing sh- uh, stuff everywhere. Almost cussed there. Uh, and then Grant McCaslin has to get on the mic and say, please stop throwing stuff. We keep getting technical fouls called against us. That was a wild scene for sure. Texas Forecastle was so good, but I do love Bonnaroo. We're going there a full week this summer. Would you two like to come? Let's go. Let's make it happen. We're all in there. Texas, two weeks until spring break, three weeks until KP is fired. We're almost out of the dark, boys. It's the, it's the type of thinking that, I'm, that I like hearing. Texas Kelvin Sampson guy here. What's up, Kelvin Sampson guy? Just curious who the current head coach of the number one team in the country is right now. In all seriousness, I'm still just stunned that no one else is mentioning or talking about him as even an option. Also, Rashawn is on the Samson bandwagon as well. It's Kelvin Sampson guy. He texts in every day about how nobody's talking about Kelvin Sampson. And then every day I say, I would love Kelvin Sampson. <laughs> would love Kelvin Sampson. Texas, welcome back, man. You sound good and refreshed. The magical healing waters of Disney must be real. Or are you just excited to get away from the fam? I, I mean, <laughs> it, it's not the Disney trip. You have to remember, like, the the week and a half before the Disney trip, we all had the flu. So we had no child care. The kids didn't go to school for basically, like, two weeks. So, like, we've been attached to the hip to these kids for basically, like, three weeks now. So, yeah, a little bit of a breather is, is not is not the worst thing in the world. Texas, I think that Texter is mistaking Trilly Donovan references as Billy. Is that what's happening here? Because I have not heard any of the Billy Donovan buzz. Texas, Mike, are the Avs back? You're damn right they are. Smacked around the stars last night. We're healthy. We're feeling good. We're hitting our stride at the right time. Texas, I took Louisville first half money line tonight and BHH for eight rebounds because why the hell not? I don't think Louisville's going to lead this game at halftime. I'll be shocked if they if they are. Texas, Mike, and the alternate timeline where he's a lawyer. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, by the time the trial is done, I think I will have presented enough evidence to show that Kenny Payne does not deserve a year three Oh, and also my client probably didn't kill the guy, but mostly the Kenny Payne thing. I would be so distracted by Louisville sports all the time if I'd been a lawyer. I, I would have been a bad lawyer. I feel pretty confident in saying that. You would have made your way to U of L some way somehow. Maybe that, yeah. Maybe I would have kept us from having the 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 championship banner stripped. Maybe that's Patino would be the coach still. God, don't put that on me, Roman. Don't put that evil. <laughs> you skipped one though. Come on, man. What do you say? Shout out, Texas says shout out to Roman Big Beats. Need more, Mike. I don't know if you paid attention while you've been gone at all, but I'm on a streak right now. You are? I'm like 14 for 16 since I've started the Mike Rutherford show and my betting? Yes. Like with the bets that I've given out, I don't think I've missed like more than two. And I've given out, you know, three or four almost every day. I don't see that text, but I but I I, I, I didn't mean to sip over. I don't see yeah, it. Yeah, 417. Shout out to Roman Big Beats. This is a texter they text, you know, it seems like they're invested in my picks. This is one of my the Roman Big Bets investors here. They've uh they're relying on me, I guess. So I'll make sure to get those out to you here in a few minutes. But. I need them too because I I, I I took like the yeah, last I mean, week off of betting. I went four and zero yesterday, three and zero last night because Brunson didn't play. But uh-huh. if you see here, I don't know if I guess you can't see it. I said Kyrie twenty five plus, PJ Washington ten plus, Brunson over six and a half assists, and Steph Curry four plus. 
Kyrie goes for almost 30. PJ with nine points in the last minute, last possession for the Mavericks of the game. I don't know if you saw the finish to that game last night. But the last points PJ Wa- or the Mavericks scored were PJ Washington covering my 10 plus. He goes from 9 to 11 with a alley oop, what they think is going to be their game winning play. And uh, yeah. I need those NBA. I, I don't bet the NBA. I don't think I've made an NBA bet yet. I will bet whatever you tell me. To, I got you. We got it. We got 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 got, got some picks tonight. Right we we'll get down. it right at the end of the show. Texas. Oh my God, the YouTube cameras. You're damn right. Texas. Not a single believer <laughs> listener believes you about the YouTube cameras. Next, you're going to tell us that Roman is going to race an alligator. No, he's not going to. <laughs> Texas. Wait, are the cameras actually going to get installed? Oh man. Uh, yeah, we've already read that one. Texas. We would have won back to back had we wore the red camo with sleeves. Probably. Texas, uh, I'm glad that Rutherford came back from his vacation with a renewed passion to hate on KP. It's not hating on KP. It's simply calling a spade a spade. Texas says, what show, uh, what would the show topics be for KP year three? I don't even know how I would do the show next year. I've said this before. I, I can't do this again. If it's Kenny Payne year three and the roster's not good and we're like predicted to, to finish 14th or 15th in the ACC again, I can't do another like four full months of that. I'll, I'll, I'll have to quit. I'll have to just stop or do something else. I couldn't I couldn't make it happen. <laughs> Texas, welcome back. We really missed your voice. Love Mrs. Tire Gauge Guy. P.S. I love hearing about Virginia's and John's adventures. They had plenty. John is is, is an animal. He's now all into pirate stuff because he went on Pirates of the Caribbean. It's uh yeah. It's he was like wielding a, a toy sword at everybody and just saying R the entire rest of the time trip. That was their their characters for sure. Texas, I've always wondered how Mike hosting a roll call show would go around here. I don't think it would be that difficult for fans of either team to talk about each other. To defend TJ guest hosting, if Louisville were just decent this year, it would be a lot easier to talk at length about the team. I think that's a fair point. If we were good, if both teams were good, it'd be a lot easier to do a UofL fan hosting a UK show or a UK fan hosting a UofL show. I will say this, though, and I feel like people were more mad about TJ than they were during Roush. TJ gave more gave a whole hour segment with the you know uh, Ty Spalding, which is U of L guy, and uh-huh. then we you know he covered a couple of my questions about U of L. I think we talked more. What I'm saying is we talked more about U of L during TJ show than we did Roush's, and I feel like TJ got a little more hate. It's the the white Duke player thing again. It just it's, people just don't like TJ for some reason. Yeah, it's just I don't, I don't know what yeah. it is. <laughs> just I love you, TJ. Texas says I love I love the infrareds from day one, baby. You're lying, lying, straight liar. Texas, do you think Junior Bridgman, a self-made businessman, will hate writing an $8 million check to a person who made him look like a fool? Is there any love left between KP and people like Jerry Eves? Yeah. I mean, I, I, first of all, I don't think Junior's writing a check alone, but I don't think it's going to, he's not going to hate him just because he wasn't a good coach. Texas, are you excited for the Roy Williams Coach K ACC Network special airing right after our game ends? No, I'm not. Texas, my vote's for Oates. There you go. Texas, if you stop if you stop basketball court storming, then you have to assume you stop football field storms. Good yeah. luck. Yeah. Texas says, uh, uh, "This is a KRC text. I'm not going to read it now because we don't have a lot." I didn't realize how many texts we had. I'm sorry. I'm not. I'm not going to be able to get to all these. I don't think. Texas says, "How to get rid of court storming? Option one: Get rid of fans. No fans, no court storming. Boom. Simple solution. Option two: Don't keep score. If you notice in these court storms, one team wins and one team loses. If you take out the score, no one loses." Boom, no court storms. I solved the problems, guys. That, that, that guy should have gone to law school. Problem solver right there. Texas, I don't care if I get bashed. I think Filipowski tried to trip that Wake Forest fan, and if he didn't play for Duke, this would have been far less of a story. I'm not going to go that far on the first point. Second point, agree wholeheartedly. No question about it. 
Texas says, college basketball pundits used to say that good guards win championships. Do you think this is still true? UK is loaded with good guards. Yeah, good guards definitely win championships. I think veteran guards also win championships. UK's got one in Reeves, who I think is a little bit erratic in big games. Um, I don't know if you can win being that reliant on young talent and also team guards that don't defend. Their guards don't play any defense. Texas says, Virgil was a joke on Dusty Rhodes. Dusty's real name is Virgil. Vince was making fun of Dusty with that name. I don't even know what that means, but thank you. Texas says, did Mitch, did Mitch McConnell, McConnell advocate for UofL when the Big East died like 10 years ago? He, was, he, he did go out of his way. He and Joe Manchin, which was weird, being on like the opposite end of my own personal political spectrum, Mitch McConnell was, was rooting for UofL to get into the Big 12, and Manchin, I guess is technically still a Democrat, uh, was was rooting for West Virginia to get in the Big 12, and they were kind of having a war of words publicly. So he was he, he tried. Texas Kyle Singler looks like the Antichrist. <laughs> it's funny. I don't take purse like like you know he can't help that, but yeah, he kind of does. Texas news came out that the ACC basketball schedule for next season will be released tomorrow. Here's hoping we get a home and home with our renewed long-term legendary AAC rivals SMU. That Louisville SMU rivalry was great for 2014. Two classic matchups: the Russ Smith puking in a garbage can game, Montrez Harold Duncan to end the uh, at the end of the game, and then saying "I don't bleeping care" to their fans. It was great. Texas says Grayson Allen and Tyler Hansborough on UNC. Chris the Plumber. Those are worth it. Texas will Wade Mike get him in your top three? Oates Beard or Wade? Promised Land. I will Wade is not in my top three. Texas says uh, court storming solutions. <laughs> mandatory dinner with Jeff Goodman. Jay Williams, the permit commentator for your team's game. All conference games will be played Wednesday night at 9 p.m. <laughs> Doug Shouse is the head official for the remainder of your games. Those are good. I enjoy that. Texas, what was the best food you had at Disney World? I liked the, they have like an orange creamsicle float at the Adventure Land, like the, the something tree terrace. That was really good. I ate that at like 10.30 in the morning. I was like, this is living. Ice cream float, 10.30 in the morning. It's great. I also like the... They had like a, a fruit waffle, like a waffle with a Nutella and some fruit in there. That's pretty good. For the most part, the, the food at Disney is just trash. We didn't, have, we didn't go to any of the sit-down restaurants, but it was just it was not good. Says, Hi, Mike. So happy that you're back. He cannot coach, Roman. <laughs> That's true. Texas uh, Roman, why would you bring him back for three top 20 players? We literally have two top 20 players right now and another fringe top yeah. 20 player when Dennis was healthy, and we suck. Yeah. 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 I, got a, I got some selfish reasons I'll go into tomorrow. Okay. Texter says, uh, thank goodness you're back, Mike. There was way too much UK talk and bleepy takes. Roman held it down well, though. There Appreciate it. Texter says, make it. Uh, Texter says, no, Roman. That's the first bad take that I've heard you share. Jeez. <laughs> like with Coach, uh, I'm not going to say that, Satterfield's first last year. He had a great recruiting class. I had no faith that he'd do anything transcendiary with them. KP could land seven All-Americans and still not win at all. Whatever his system is doesn't work or translate into high-level basketball. Uh, and then says, make it seven now, LOL. Texas, I think KP has a chance to land Erex Sean. The kid plays hard. I don't. Texas, the kid at Texas Tech was being carried out by the cops. was hilarious. It needs to be a meme. Can you make that happen? I can try. Texas, one thing I won't miss when Kenny is gone is not wearing our home white jerseys at home. I, I agree. I hate that. It is weird. Texas, hammer Auburn plus 7.5 tonight. I do like that. I also like Minnesota. Plus 17, I think, against Illinois. I like that as well. Texas, instead of watching the cards lose tonight, I'll be re-watching Man in the Arena on ESPN Plus to see what a real winner looks like. <laughs> Stop st- sending in the Man in the Arena uh, suggestion. Uh, all right. Uh, we, we, somehow we filtered through, I think, all, almost all of those. Almost all of those. 
Uh, Roman, I, I need your NBA picks tonight. Give us some Roman big bets tonight. Got some big bets for you all tonight. I think uh, it's four tonight. There is a boost right now on DraftKings, a JJ Redick boost, where if you have any SGP, same game parlay, which is just any two picks from the same game that counts as a same game parlay, and that can be on a parlay, right? You can boost up to 50%, right? So I've got a three leg that comes out to plus 339 that I've boosted to plus 509, or four leg, I'm sorry. LeBron James, two plus threes. Okay. Kyrie Irving, four plus assist. Again, we're staying with it. PJ Washington, 10 plus points. And the Denver Nuggets money line. Okay, so we've got LeBron over on threes, Kyrie over on assists, PJ Washington over on points, and Nuggets money line. Yes. Okay, those are the Roman big bets of the day. Big bets of the day. Lock them in. Okay. I, I had two bets tonight. I think I already gave them away. I do like Auburn. To, I, I think Tennessee, I, I like them much more big picture in the NCAA tournament than Auburn. I think Auburn's good, and they've covered a lot. I think they've kind of hit their ceiling. They, they play chaotic style. They're not as much of a well-oiled machine as Tennessee is. I think Tennessee wins at home tonight. I do like Auburn to cover the 7.5, though. And the bet that I like the most tonight is Minnesota. They've cut well, – it's down to 11.5 now, though. It was like 17 earlier. Minnesota is the best team in the country when it comes to covering spreads. They've covered it in 22 games. I think their last game over the weekend was the first time since January 13th they've not covered a spread. They're on the road taking on an Illinois team that's still trying to find itself with the Terrence Shannon stuff going on. I, I Look, I saw it a lot bigger earlier today. I still like it at 11.5. I think Minnesota's going to cover on the road. Give me that. All right, let's make some uh, some picks for the other games before we get to Louisville. Uh, that Auburn-Tennessee game, I already kind of gave away my answer. Auburn uh, is number 11 in the country on the road, taking on Tennessee, who's number four. Tennessee's seven and a half point home favorites, seven o'clock on ESPN2. Roman, who wins and by how much? I like I like Auburn. You like Auburn to win straight up? I do. Ooh, all I right. Think, I think they win. That's spicy. Give me Tennessee winning, but Auburn covering. I'm going to see the Volunteers win by five. Uh, the, I think Auburn's going to end the, the road teams can't win on the road. Or uh, ranked teams can't win on the road. I think that's going to change today. Uh, we also have Arizona taking on Arizona State, another ranked team on the road against an unranked opponent. Alabama taking on Ole Miss, another one of those. I'll pick that game real quick. Alabama on the road taking on Ole Miss. They are five-and-a-half-point road favorites. Who wins who covers? Chris Beard's team kind of free-falling. I think Alabama covers. I think Alabama wins and covers, too. Big bounce back. And the big game tonight, Louisville at Duke, 7 o'clock on the ACC Network card, still a 20-and-a-half-point underdog. Uh, is there a miracle in store in Durham tonight, Roman? No miracle, but we do cover that line. I don't think we're covering. You don't think so? I don't think we're covering. I, I, I think it gets ugly tonight. Uh, I'm going to say Duke uh, 84, Louisville 62, Blue Devils win by 22. I hope I'm wrong. I feel like I end every other show with that. Regardless, we're talking about it all tomorrow. Everyone, enjoy your Wednesday night. We'll see you guys back here at 3 o'clock tomorrow. Go Cards. Beat Duke.